Welcome to the North Idaho Archery Podcast, the crossroads of archery and adventure. I'm John, and I'm here with my buddies, Austin and Jake. We own and operate North Idaho Archery Pro Shop in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. Join us for the discussion on all things archery, the great outdoors, and unique tales from our past adventures. As veterans and archery nerds, we're here to immerse you in the world of bows, arrows, and techniques. Whether you're a seasoned archer or just starting out, we're your go-to source for archery insights, stories, and camaraderie. It's not just about hitting the target, it's about perfecting the shot. This is the North Idaho Archery Podcast, where the thrill of the bullseye meets the precision of the bowstring. Let's live life at full draw. Gone under here. Uh, you've know. got a t-shirt. Hey, welcome everybody. Hello. Welcome back. We are not even going to give me a chance to take my clothes off. <laughs> are you sure you don't want the Stand AC by. on? Do you want it's kind of hot. Is it kind of hot? Yeah. Yeah. Stand by. Well, I don't know. You know, I can run downstairs real quick and turn it on. This is our first um, go at doing this podcast uh, video recorded, so you can see us oh, now. Yeah, we're, yeah. Welcome to the studio. Hello. Um, so if you see me looking under the table, I'm not trying to look at John's feet. I'm just trying to look at the computer screen. Mm. You know, it's been five days now since I've bought this new Xbox and I thought we were all going to be gaming hard and, uh, we have yet to play any call of duty online Dude, together. I've been remodeling. Oh, I've been uh, hunting. So I'm tagged out. I have yeah. nothing to do. I mean, I have. I, I want I to. bought way I, too many tags this year. <laughs> you do got a lot of tags. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you got some big shoes to fill. Yeah. So I I fully intended on playing games. Uh, was it Saturday? Yeah. Yeah. We were close for Veterans Day. Mm -hmm. And it was just like blowing nasty. And I was just like, I got to go prep my stand. Like, I want to hunt Sunday. Mm -hmm. I got to get in there and prep everything. I got to get it freshened up, really get it nice and fresh in this this nice stiff wind, and uh, you know, get that scent profile out there as far as possible. So mm. I went out there in the nasty weather while everyone was, you know, enjoying their video games and video games. And yeah. oh, I was uh, suffered through it. We were painting and moving. What do you paint? Oh, the rooms. Yeah, that's so we right. Got yeah. The, the kids are now in their own rooms downstairs. That's right. And my office is much bigger now. Oh, that's great. Yeah, it's a sweet office. Yeah. So I look good. But it, it's all done now. So no, I'm, I'm good. I'm so now up. you can play video games. Oh, dude, I'm I'm ready. Yeah. Yeah. Just 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 at nighttime though, because yeah. we we people we do still go outside yeah, and do like outdoorsy yeah. stuff. I still want to go shoot some pheasant. Oh, dude, yeah, we got yeah. to. Yeah. We well, we we're talking about that, so we'll talk about that offline. But we might go tomorrow. Yeah. Oh, okay. There's cool. a spot that we want to go look at for critters, whether it be pheasants and deer. Is this over in WA? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we'll go check out. There's some pheasant spots I want to look at over there. So gotcha. Cool. But yeah. Well, anyways. Welcome back, everybody that uh, continues to listen to us talk on this podcast. Um, we we appreciate it. Uh, today, we don't have any guests. It's just us three. Um, and we're just going to talk about, I don't know, kind of how this season's going, uh, our setups, our current setups, and kind of what we hunted with this year. Mm -hmm. uh, when this actually drops. Tomorrow. Yeah, <laughs> tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, we're a little behind the curve. But tomorrow, the 14th or well now you're listening to it on the 14th the new prime bows have dropped 
Oh, that's right. Yeah. So we're, we're gonna so we're gonna dive into those a little bit. We can talk about what Elite came out with already. <clears throat> PSC's um, dropping tomorrow too. Yeah. Wednesday. Oh, Wednesday. So we got to stay hush hush about the yeah. PSC stuff for now. Athens, I think, drops this week or next week. Yeah. 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 So cool. But yeah, so we'll talk a little bit about that, and uh, yeah, I don't know. We're just gonna we're just gonna. I, I kind of want to hear from John today about. Uh, your experiences growing up hunting because yeah. i don't i don't know if we've ever kind of broke it down like how you i know you didn't necessarily grow up in a hunting family but you had right. a mentor along the way right yeah my grandpa okay yeah so my dad he was pretty much he was pretty much over in the overseas contract and for most of my young adult life so my grandfather pretty much when you say contracting is that was he like military uh, he's contracting for the military yes yeah That's, doing what not like black what do, what do they call oh, it? um he wasn't doing oh black water stuff no black he, water, that's no it. he's triple with, canopy yeah he was just your regular like uh contractor like working on tanks and mraps logistics oh, yeah stuff. he was like a GS, there was gs13 or something our mechanics on the on the helicopters used to get so fired up because they would hire civilian contractors to come over and work on the right. aircraft yeah right so he did that right mm, he yeah was just, exactly yeah he's just a civilian cop. yeah cool yeah yeah because oh, yeah. the, the the enlisted guys would be like i'm doing the same job oh exactly oh, same same buttons and same those guys firefighters are, and all that yeah yeah the first time i got blown up i was uh by myself at two o'clock in the morning lifting striker tires back up onto the striker uh which weigh a ton so i was jacking them up <laughs> and there was a mechanic who came out there and he did not help me uh but i was just like in my poutingness at that moment i was like how much money do you make and he's like i'm not gonna tell you he said i have more taxes taken out of my paycheck than you make all month ouch well well, we had one guy named grant um and here we are going down we start with one topic and we're just gonna go over here now yeah Yeah, i apologize we circle back back. i just was curious when you said your dad oh right yeah no but there was a contractor grant that was overseas with us he was in charge of the afghan security guards Mm. he's from wales and this dude was making i believe 14k a month tax-free and he was doing like three on one off three on one off wow yeah so yeah that super cool dude and uh, make a lot of money yeah yeah so anyways yeah yeah. (laughs) my grandpa yes my grandpa um he pretty much took me under his wing um what age oh god i was probably like 11 or 12 I was okay, fairly so you, older. I was were you hunting already, or were you just watching? No, this it? was actually getting into hunting. Yeah, because yeah. okay. so you, you never went out prior to that? No, no, not okay. at all. Yeah. Well, and you can't even take gun safety until you're 12. I think it's, yeah. In in Minnesota. Yeah. So. Well, yeah, I mean, I I couldn't take gun safety until I was a little bit older myself, but I went out. No, sure. Gotcha. Um, when I was like seven or eight with my Yeah. Dad. No, I was primarily a fisher, like just grew up fishing at a young age. Um, hunting, I started getting into, like I said, right around that 11 or 12. I got my first bow when I was right around the same age. My mom and dad got me a brownie. I don't know if you remember that bow brand. Oh, yeah. Or they, I mean, obviously, they don't make them anymore, but yeah, brownies started dabbling in air bows. They made better rifles than bows. Right. So, you know, the first time I actually picked up that bow is when my parents gave it to me and I, uh, my mom had to go to work meeting and behind her work was a a 3d target the doctor um he was a big archer and shot matthews and uh so there's this 3d target and she's like hey i'm gonna go to this meeting go ahead and shoot that bow and i had six arrows i had no idea what i was doing 
Dude, I just went and stood in this one spot, dude, and I lost all six arrows probably within five minutes. <laughs> I was out back just looking for these dang things. Couldn't find them, and my mom came back. She's like, how'd it go? I'm like, well, I've been here for like an hour sitting and uh, looking for these arrows. Never did find them. Um, it was really thick back there. But, yeah, so I got into, I got into archery at a really young age, all self-taught, as Jake knows us when we finally went to PSC Archery School, and he pretty much told me everything I was doing was wrong. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, archery, my grandfather, when I actually started, you know, I think like 14 at this point, my grandpa started taking me out. Um, I had an old Golden Eagle bow, had, had no peep on it. I just marked it with a white um, permanent marker where my eye wanted to be. Oh, yeah, yeah. dude. And it, I mean, it worked. I'd hit the target. Sure. I was consistent. Yeah. Um, again, the bow was probably way too small for me. And uh, yeah. every, every bow is too small for me. Yeah. yeah. So, but no, I, uh, I primarily did gun hunting with my grandpa because um, he was old. He had a, he eventually did get a uh, crossbow. Mm, uh, so good. we go out. We were primarily hunting on his land uh, there on Midway Road up by Proctor. Oh yeah, sure. So we'd hunt his property. Um, but yeah, prime really just was our uh, rifle hunting. Yeah. And uh, he taught me all about you know how to track deer, footprints, fresh prints, and not a whole about, a lot about setups. And just kind of they had some deer stands out there, old ones that were probably unsafe to even be in. <laughs> But yeah. we just go up there and uh, sit and watch the swamps, you know, over in Cromwell in oh, yeah. Minnesota. And we'd sit up there and I'd watch the swamps and see bucks going from island to island. And, yeah, that was really it. I shot my first buck when I was uh, 14, I think. Heck yeah. Yeah, and it was just a, it was a little two-by-two. Two. He came out. It was like 7 o'clock in the morning and shot him right there and dropped him. And uh, that was it. I was just hooked. Yeah. And I had like a, a two-mile drag out. I'm not kidding. So I'm the, I'm the type of guy that's really, and Jake knows this and Austin knows this. I like to be away from people and there's this hunting grounds uh, in Kenosha wildlife management area. And you can only get out there by, by you had to, you have to walk everywhere. You can't, you can't bring four wheelers. It's gated and all that. And people actually abide by it and don't go, don't <laughs> no use. Way. Yeah, they actually do. No way. Yeah. It's hit pretty hard with the wardens though. But yeah, dude, I had like a two mile um, drag out. I'd, walk, I'd get out there super early in the morning and I had a climber. Oh, and hey, we finally circled back to climbers. Oh, <laughs> gosh, yeah. <laughs> Only a podcast later. But, dude, those climbers, man, those are dangerous. I can't do them. I could. They're just so, they freak me so out. much noise. Well, yeah, dude. that too. But oh, I remember I'd be sitting up there, and all of a sudden, the teeth would give out, and my ass would be down on my feet. <laughs> yeah, or you're climbing up. You're climbing up, and your feet, you're in these little hooks, right? Yeah. Just little straps. And you're, when your feet come out of those straps, dude, Dude, you're sitting on the gun rail and your feet, that thing's dangling down there. You're trying to get it back up, trying to get your feet through the hooks. So my bright, my bright, my bright self, uh, didn't attach the bottom part to the top part. Oh, and thankfully I didn't make it far up the tree and my feet came out and mm -hmm. the, the, where my feet attached, the yeah. platform fell all the way to the ground and I was just there. No, it, and nothing to put my feet on. And I, thankfully I was only like. I was not even 10 feet off the oh, ground, okay. but sure. Oh my gosh. Did you guys ever see a deer using a climber? Like Did, the amount of noise you have to make climbing a tree with one no. of those got to be God off. Well, I, that's the, the first deer I shot when I was using my climber. And no, it's nice. No, I'm not kidding. Yeah. And it's, it folds up like a backpack. I mean, it's big mm -hmm. and it makes a lot of noise, but yeah. The deer is if that stupid. Well, no, if you're, if you're careful about it, I mean, you yeah. can get up pretty quietly. Mm -hmm. really? I mean, no, yeah. no different than if you were doing a hanging hunt, like a bump and dump where you just go in in the dark. I would and, never do that. Yeah. <laughs> what? Right. But it works. 
I mean, there's a lot of guys. I mean, like the the hunting public guys, they they kill a ton of deer doing the bumping up style. They bump one and then they come back and set up the next day and they kill it. Yeah, it takes a special it set does. Of skills and to do that. I, I mean, don't have it's that. really it I would mean, take a special piece of property. Anyway, I'm not going to go down that road. I'm just going to get angry thinking about I've, it. I've well, they're all hunting. It's all public property. Well, it ain't yeah. hunting out here. No. That shit would never work. Oh, it wouldn't work out here, no. No. I have three of them in the woods still to this day. They're probably still there. They broke on me. Oh, tree stands? My climbers. Oh, yeah. Yeah, one that I forgot the pin to mm. lock it in. Or I didn't forget it. I, it came off at some point. Oh, this is a really funny one. It's the same area, Kenosha Wildlife Management Area. You probably already know this one, too. But I went out there and had this real nice spot I was going to sit and um i get out there early in the morning and uh i forgot that pin or i lost the pin so i couldn't use the climber but i knew there was a permanent tree stand just uh just up the road or not even up the road but off the trail and i'm like i'm gonna go sit there and mind you this is the last weekend of deer hunting rifle season and it's snowing out but i'm like i'm gonna shoot this thing this is right before i enlist or left for the army my last season so 2010 and uh i get out there and i'm like i'm going through and it's dark out and i, I find that spot I start climbing up it and I'm sitting there. Well, that wind picks up. I've probably been in the stand for a couple hours at this point. <laughs> this is super funny. This, this is, this would happen to me sitting there for a couple hours and it's ripping out now. It's like, it's a full on blizzard. Should I be in the stand? Probably not. There's no reason for it. Right. But you never know. Yeah. Right. You never know. And I'm not kidding you. I hear something break and sure is sure enough. The tree breaks that I'm in. <laughs> I climbed up into the stand, and it was a dead tree. And this freaking tree, I'm, I'm dead serious. This tree falls, and I'm probably 12, 15 feet in the air, right around there. And I just cradle that gun. And look, luckily, there was a ton of snow. So when I fell out of that tree stand, I just freaking landed on my shoulder and rolled. And yeah, literally. So I sat, I'm like, this is, I'm going home now. Did you lay on the ground for a while? Too? I did lay on Were the ground. Just like, I, no, I did. I laid on the ground. I was looked up in the sky at the snow coming down real hard. I'm like, I Con can't. Contemplating all your choices yeah, like, to, how to that did, point. Yeah, the tree stand doesn't work this morning. I left that thing all in the woods. And, and then that tree, burnt the tree actually snapped. And I, I went down with it. That's interesting. Oh, yeah. man. It was young. You know, I was 17. I didn't know what the heck I was oh, doing. Oh, right. You're, You're just know, like, I'm, just I'm out here. Hunt. and. Yeah, but that's pretty much my whole hunting story. I didn't have anybody really guiding me on how to set up deers, you know, mm -hmm. deer stands, mm -hmm. where to go. Um, eventually, I just kind of, when I moved back to Wisconsin from Colorado, I just kind of like, eh, there's some water there. And it's a, kind of far as away off the trail. I can walk out there. And then the, at this point, I was using ladder stands mm -hmm. or, well, the hang-ons. And then oh, I'd yeah. have like a climbing ladder stick climbing or, sticks and be yeah. up like 20, 25 feet in the air. Mm -hmm. But I think uh, that kind of speaks to... Um, the difficulty of hunting without like having like a true mentor right <clears throat> that's like a true skilled outdoorsman mm -hmm. right there's a difference between going out in the woods and just hoping you get lucky and going out in the woods and knowing where you want to be and for what reasons you want to be there yeah yeah and i'm and, still learning like now that i met you like all of us can tie like austin i mean austin's a great white tail he's put some deer down but we still don't understand like the he's sitting here he's like looking like are you sure yeah, i've gotten <laughs> lucky a few times but no it's like now being here with you and understanding how the whitetail move around yeah. here and setups you know i i can't wait to learn that dude yeah, he's got i told him today when we were out there i'm like god dang it like you got me fired up about whitetail sure like, yeah but that, that's what's so great about i mean this isn't a good place to be uh <laughs> but you can scratch all those itches like i said like yeah it, 
if I want to go chase muleys, mm-hmm. uh, spot and stock, I can. Yeah. If I want to go hang and hunt whitetails, I can go sit in a tree stand and hunt whitetails. Right on. Hunt yeah. elk, like everything. It's just, it's so great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I need to get that itch back. You know, that, that was the biggest thing growing up, man. Whitetail hunting. Like I looked forward to it mm-hmm. every year, man. I had the Brooks and Dunn on repeat their album. <laughs> yeah. I pick up my grandpa, dude, he'd pop open that Copenhagen can mm. of Copenhagen. Mm. And just mm. like that, like when you guys opened it up on our mule deer hunt, like, oh, oh yeah. bro, now put some Brooks and Dunn's on Brooks and Dunn on let's, let's go. Right. But yeah, now it's like, uh, I just kind of lost that love for whitetail hunting. Cause I spent so many hours in Wisconsin yeah. On my deercations when I was a cop, you take four days off. I have twelve days off. No, oh, yeah. Guess what I'm doing? I'm going to be deer in my hunt. deer stand, and I turned into a trophy hunter. Mm-hmm. Even though I had, there was no reason for me to be a trophy hunter. But I'm like, I saw these big deer. Yeah, and I was going to kill them. I got one midnight photo of this giant, <laughs> right. and yeah. that's all right. I'm going to be sitting waiting yeah, for. So yeah. Michelle would just get irritated. She wasn't irritated, but she's like, "You've been hunting for how long?" And you still have not brought anything home. I'm like, I did draw back on a six pointer, a three by three. I remember I was at full draw on this guy. He was only like 20 yards away. It's over near Vapor Road off County Road S in the Bagabin. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I was at full draw. And then I started looking at him like, no, no, I know there's a bigger <laughs> one. I know there's a bigger one. And then I just slowly let down. I sat down and I'm like, yeah, I, I think we can get you fired up about wide tells again, man. The it's, it's different. I mean, when Austin says it's not great out here, no, I meant I was being, I was saying that because yeah, he's being facetious. The, yeah. the, the genetics, I mean, we don't have you know, word. we don't have the, the 180, 190, 200s that you see in you know, the big buck sticks like Ohio and Iowa and Oklahoma and mm-hmm. Kansas. And you know, every year there's one or two that you see that get killed in Idaho that you're like, well, wow, that's a good deer, you know, and they're 170s. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but, but like, what those states have, that's all they have. Is right, that's big all white they tails, have, right? So right. there's so, a difference. Right? Yeah. we got everything out here. Yeah. But it's a different game out here, right? So out here, if you can get on a mature whitetail, you know, it's awesome if you can hunt a 160, but finding a 160 is very, very, very difficult. In all my years, I've maybe seen three on camera. You know, they're just not that common in Idaho. Mm-hmm. Um and other people who might, you know, have 2,000 acres might be shaking their head at me right now because they get a 160 on camera over here on their private property. But a 160 on public land in Idaho, is it's it's difficult. It's mm-hmm. not an yeah. easy thing to find. And, I mean, I've been running over 20 cameras since March this year, and I don't think I've picked up a buck over 140. Hmm. And see, for me, like, if, big bucks are cool. But like for me, it's the experience, like yeah. doing everything right, right and right. and getting the opportunity, even if it's a, you know, it's setting the trap and, and right. playing the game and then getting them. I mean, even if it's a one forty, we were talking like, about today yeah. when we were putting our setups in, you know, is, um, I mean, full disclosure, we're going to hunt Washington this year, you know, to all our listeners and, um, what, what is that echelon of deer we're looking for? Right. Cause I, I mean, I'm, I'm just going to say it. I'm a trophy hunter right i don't need the meat i enjoy the experience so i might as well look for a trophy for sure but what is that trophy for us this year right in washington on public land in a fairly pressured area i mean we saw a lot of hunters today when we went in there Mm -hmm. scouting today to me it's mature deer if that's if it's a four and a half five and a half year old whitetail that goes 135 
well, that's a mature deer, right? That's, that's the, cool, and especially that's, with archery equipment, right. you know, mm-hmm. like you got to look at it like that too. Is just the the feat of doing it with your bow and like right. getting them to come into your trap, right? Like right. pulling them in with you know mm-hmm. like the scrapes and the location and you know, and we're pulling them. I mean, that's yeah. the cool thing is there's people around, but we've gone deep enough in that we're getting daylight photos all day long, even with all these people in the woods. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're doing it, but you know, no one sixties have shown up. We've got some, we've got some nice one thirties, um, you know, some pretty bad genetics of one. We had a four point show up this last week that, man, eh, he might go one thirty, probably high one twenties and he's four and a half years old. Mm. Um, anyway. Yeah. Now, so, so to your point, John is, you know, you're saying you're a trophy hunter, right? So, I, 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 at one point I thought I was, you thought, no, you thought you were, but that's the thing, right? Is you don't have to lose that. And so the definition of a trophy can be managed, Mm -hmm. right? So yeah, a 160 is a trophy whitetail, but as an archery hunter, what you really should be looking at is a mature whitetail, Mm -hmm. right? Especially on public land, Mm -hmm. especially on public land. If you can pass up that three and a half year old and let them go to four and a half, I'd say four and a half on public land, especially in an area that you know is fairly well pressured. You can feel comfortable that you're harvesting a fairly mature whitetail at that point and take that deer. That's where I start getting comfortable on public land. Now, would I like to push myself to five and a half? Yeah, I would. But if I'm generally not able to stay in an area that long because of one reason or another, you Mm -hmm. know, whether... I just that deer got killed or there's just not the population there or just this year, you know, um, I haven't had the time to, to drive the three, three and a half hours that I normally drive to go chase whitetails, you know, and this, it just with the new kid and the new mm-hmm. business and mm-hmm. everything else is just not feasible. Well, and that's so crazy to me. Cause like back, back in Wisconsin, like, so I would always look for something that was like three and a half ish, right? Like that was in where we were hunting mm-hmm. with the little amount of public land there was and how much pressure it got. Like if I saw a three and a half year old, I'm like, all right, that's like, I, I can, I'm good with that. Yeah. Um, I was going somewhere with that. Four and a half. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. It'll come back. Oh man. That's, yeah. that's that TBI for you. Yeah. Oh. The TBI is don't worry. Yeah. No, well, no, it's <laughs> interesting. So I, so this year actually Dead end. I have, <laughs> Probably the largest two and a half year old I have ever had on camera. Um, he's a seven by five split eye guards, probably low one thirties is what he'd score. And I passed him with my bow last week. And I mean, anyone with a rifle in their hands, unfortunately in Idaho is just going to smoke that deer. Mm-hmm. But that is the, the, the caliber deer that I'm looking for, right? Because I look at that deer and I know, that four and a half, five and a half, that is a true 170 to 180. They just, we just don't have those kind of genetics here. So when I see it, I get really excited. That deer is going to get killed. Um, unfortunately, not by me. I am hunting this drainage and I'm getting that deer on camera almost three miles apart um, in one evening, you know, within five, six hours. That's crazy. He's on both of my scrapes and. He is, he's just running and gunning. He's young. He's feeling his oats, and he's trying to find one of those does that are hot. Yeah. And, of course, I keep marking those scrapes. So he catches that that scent profile, you know, and he's coming in, and he keeps checking them back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. 
till he finds that hot doe. And that's, you know, that's one of those things that, am I creating that? I don't know. Um, I know he's just traveling, looking for does, but if I wasn't in there building scrapes, would he be traveling that far? Probably, you know, our deer do travel a long ways. Even so that that's a long ways for him to travel in that short of time. Um, in my mind, that's a, that's a lot of ground to cover. So he's doing that. He's going to get killed, right? I mean, he's a, he's a great looking deer. He's, I mean, he's a beautiful looking two and a half year old. Um, and if I didn't have some of the white tails that I have on my wall, I would, I'd have shot him last week with my bow, but, um, yeah, that's anyway, that's, that's kind of what we're talking about. You know, what, what is a trophy, right? What, yeah. what is that? Um, you know, the buck I did kill, was that a week ago now? Yeah, yeah I think so. Oh I yeah. So. yeah. Um, he scored right at one thirty. Yeah. right? But he is a better, bigger, better trophy to me because of his age, right? He's seven and a half, eight and a half years old. I've known that deer for a long time. Giant body, lots of meat. He, he's already regressing. And so while that two and a half year old might have actually scored better, uh, is not a better trophy, right? Because he doesn't have that age class. He doesn't have that maturity. So, yeah, I know where you're coming from, though, where you guys are out there on the East Coast, the East Midwest, Coast. whatever you guys want to call it. It's East the Coast. Midwest, it's it's east of the Rockies. It's the East 218, Coast. 218, man. 218. Yeah. <laughs> you know who shoots big deer, though, back home is J Mac. Yeah. J Mac puts some good deer down. He's got a farm like, to deer. You oh, know? bro. He's, he's got, got his he's got family farm. <laughs> J Mac's be so pissed like hearing that. <laughs> I don't know this we, guy, but he we, needs to practice we, shooting his bow. We love you, Justin. Oh, man, dude, shots fired. I can't wait to get J-Mac on the podcast. That would be great to have him on, man. Yeah. They, um, uh, they got no, a honey I was, hole. I was telling Jake, I was like, I don't know that I can recall of Justin shooting a deer where he didn't absolutely. That's never like, happened. Yeah. I've, yeah. I've never heard. Like, Just so you guys know what we're talking about, these guys, buddy, killed a pretty nice white tail. And unfortunately, it was um, whether it's a subpar shot or deflection or whatever it was. Yeah. It's he ended hunting. up not finding it until the coyotes got to it, and all he got Tore out it of it was the good. antlers. Yeah, yeah, it's a sweet looking buck, man. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, they even brought split main beams on so the right. Cool. Yeah, but he puts down some awesome deer yeah. over here. He does. So does mm-hmm. Garrett too. Yeah, Garrett. We were just talking about. Well, I was telling because I'd like to go hunt North Dakota oh, for whitetails yeah. one year, and or even like Western North Dakota for muleys. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, freaking Garrett shoots one out there every year. Almost every now. year. Yeah. They've got it pretty dialed in. But. Yeah, they do. We'll make it out there some point. I'm going to, I'm going to go to Kansas. Um, whenever I draw a tag, I'm going to start putting in for it anyway. Yeah, let's do it. That's my I'd love goal that. is to get down there and start hunting them prairie deer, figure out what that's all about. Anyway, John, you were telling some. Uh, funny whitetail stories uh, falling out of a tree stand, falling out of trees that are breaking. And mm-hmm. um, I was, it just reminded me of a, a funny hunting story that I had mm-hmm. uh, that involved tree stands. Um, so it was probably, it's got to be three years ago now. Um, I was hunting at the base of this mountain and, you know, had. It's pretty good travel corridor that uh, the elk seem to like to hit. And I was checking my wind, you know, doing what you do when you're in the, the deer stand. And my freaking, uh, went, my bottle fell out of my hand. I, it was, there was a full bottle of talcum powder. Oh, I know and, this story. <laughs> this is <yeah>. so good. 
<laughs> so it falls out of my hand, falls to the ground. It's at the base of my tree stand, and I'm just like staring down at it. I'm like, well, I'm obviously not getting out of my stand to go pick that up. It's just going to be there. And within five minutes, more elk than I had ever seen in my entire life in the state of Idaho just come walking down the mountain. I swear to God, there must have been 60 head elk. And they were just milling about. It sounded like a freight train coming down the mountain. I mean, they were breaking everything in their path. They didn't care. They were just milling about. And uh, this lone cow elk walks underneath my uh, tree stand. And she, I mean, literally right below me. And she bends down and picks up that bottle of talcum powder. <laughs> I don't know why, but she just like picks it up in her mouth. And I was like, oh, crap. <laughs> And she f- bites down on the stupid thing, <laughs> which blows a big puff of talcum powder in her face. And of course, the reaction is exactly what you thought it'd be. She uh, scares the shit out of her. So she takes off running towards all these other elk. And they're all freaking out <laughs> because this stupid bitch cow is running at them, <laughs> chewing on this talcum powder every time she leaps forward she bites down on it so it's another puff of talcum powder <laughs> so all i see is like every 10 feet a puff of talcum powder going through the freaking woods and i'm in tears i'm laughing so hard because it's the stupidest thing i've ever seen why she doesn't just drop the bottle i don't know but it's like 20 minutes left to shoot light so i'm like i'm getting out of the stand right like it ain't nothing coming in these elk scared any white tail that were in the vicinity and uh, of course me laughing like that doesn't do anybody any favors mm-hmm. so i'm like i'm getting out i'm just i'm gonna walk back to my truck and uh so i start walking down the hill and so to back up just a little bit i have a pretty good walk to get to my tree stand this is late season and so i put all of my hunting clothes in a backpack which then i get dressed 150 yards away from my tree stand down this old logging road right and i just leave my backpack there so that way i'm not sweating before i get in my stand right well so my backpack was just on the road and or i i mean not in the middle of the road i left to the side of the road so anyway i'm walking back and i don't know if there was like a second part of this herd or they had just circled around but within three minutes i'd come down the road and the herd of elk is standing there in the road and there's this bitch cow. I swear, I'm not making this up. She's kicking my backpack down the road. She's stomping the hell out of it. Just beating the piss out of my backpack. No way. And I swear to God. She's kicking my backpack down the road. So I chased the damn elk off. Uh, that was uh, the end of that spot for quite some time. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, I didn't have any whitetails on camera in there for a solid week and a half. No, I can imagine. Got stirred so. up in there. Yeah. Oh my goodness! Yeah. So anyway, that's uh, that's one of my funniest whitetail stories. And that's pretty. I didn't good. fall out of the stand though. Yeah, well, he didn't fall out of I the stand. The, the tree, tree fell. Yeah, the tree with him. Fell. Yeah, close, that was close enough. That tree said, "Get out." Yeah, that was it. That was the universe saying, "It's time for you to go home. You're no. down here." You're. That's you know, interesting. Dude. I actually uh, heard a tree fall last night while I was sitting in my stand. Oh really? And. Did it and make a sound? It oh, you did were in make the a woods. sound. It yeah. made quite a bit of sound. Oh, wow. um, but was it, what was interesting about it was it was the day before we had like a 30-mile-an-hour mm-hmm. windstorm, mm-hmm. and it was perfectly calm, and then that tree decided to fall at that time. And 
this might sound like a little stupidly profound, but I was just like, couldn't help but smile thinking like that tree's got to be what a hundred plus years old. It's lived through a hundred plus winters and springs and summers and wind storms. Yeah, and dude. in the four second window that it fell and made a noise in its lifetime, I heard it. Yeah. Oh, that is pretty cool. Oh, dude, that's deep. Dude, man. trees are cool, man. I love Austin. And I were talking about that on our sheep hunt, dude. Oh yeah. That tree we came across, like yeah, dude, all that the thing life so that cool. thing has seen, but it was, it was completely, it was destroyed. You know, I had moss all yeah. over, but it was, in its way, it was so beautiful still. Right? Dude, I have pictures of that one. That one was, that was such a cool tree. Dude, huge. Just like the diameter of it. Is that what you call it? Or the circumference? Yeah. yeah just, it was whatever. That as word. wide as it was. Yeah. It wasn't that tall. I don't you know what kind of tree it was. I think we it, needed Jake, our, our yeah, expert Jake woodsman there. Out. Big old Northern white pine, you think? That mm-hmm. high up? Hard yeah, it was hard. on the top. It was uh, at like 8, 8,500 8, feet. Yeah. yeah. Hard to say. Yeah. It was a cool tree though, but just yeah, like sweet. all the life it's seen, you know, like, I don't know. All the people things. might, you guys are a bunch of hippies. Like, yeah. no, maybe trees, little, are, trees are cool. Little when hippie, when you're not bit. seeing sheep, you got to admire the trees. Yeah. Like, well, that's pretty all much the it. Blue grouse up there. Oh my gosh. Oh, man. We'll have that. We'll, we'll save that for a, I just learned, um, I didn't realize that, um, dusty and, or is it dusky grouse, dusky and sooty grouse? They're actually, it's blue grouse. So, when Lewis and Clark came through, they designated them both as dusties and sooty grouse. And then I do think it's years, dusky. I think it's dusky. Yeah. I could be wrong about that. Whatever. Probably we, we're, stupid. We're probably wrong, but I just learned this. And then, um, it was a meat eater trivia question. Oh yeah. Nice. So, and then they got redesignated as blue grouse, both of them. And now just recently they've gone back to calling them, dusky and sooty grouse oh cool so, so are they a subspecies of blue grouse or are they can i think i don't know the full story this is just like the question and mm. then the little backstory on the on oh, the history of so it you kind of know something yeah thanks for half of that yeah you're well, well you're welcome yeah, i just is. now you can do your own research and look yeah. into it but that apparently they're almost the, informational <laughs> they're the same species it's the same bird there's no there's no it's it's a grouse it is a grouse it's a grouse but there's no apparent uh, so the according city, to what the, the city and the is that duskies, the one in Alaska, I don't know. Okay, I, I don't know because I remember when the first my first experience with blue grouse was in Montana two years ago. Yeah, when you, me, and Justin were there, mm-hmm. and I remember seeing one for the first time. I had always heard like Randy Newberg talk about blue enormous. grouse. Yeah, whole my god, it was the size of a chicken. Yeah, like a full size chicken, and I'm like, holy shit! And so we would try killing as many as those could. But I remember looking at like Googling, like trying to be like, okay, blue grouse, like what are they, what, what differentiates them from like a rough grouse and all that stuff. And, but when I looked up blue grouse, dusky and sooty grouse came up. Mm. So one of the first blue grouse I ever saw, I was turkey hunting and it was beating its wings to hell against a log. And in my infant knowledge of turkeys i thought it was a turkey over there just beating the shit out of this log and so i stalked up on this thing and i i mean i must have spent an hour i was like low crawling and i couldn't see it couldn't see it couldn't see it until i was like five feet away from it and i was like son of a bitch that ain't a turkey that's a grouse yeah yeah. That's not a knife. This first, is a knife. First grouse I ever killed was actually with my paintball gun, believe it or not. Okay. Oh, so wow. you committed a crime. I did not know. You know what? I was with my dad, and 
We were all that doesn't make it not a crime. Well, you know, I was like, <laughs> I don't know what the statutes of limitation right? like are on that. I think he's probably okay. Yeah, I'm okay. I was like 10, and my dad's like, hey, look at that. I'm like, oh, there's a grouse. And I shot that thing in the head. My dad ran, my dad ran over there and wringed his neck real quick, and we had grouse that night. We actually made grouse wild rice soup. Mm. Oh, dude, mm. that's what I did with those blues. Delicious. Oh, so mm. good. Oh, my yeah. God, so good. I, I made. Uh, is that a Midwest meal, you think? Chicken yes. wild chicken rice? Chicken wild rice? Yeah, yeah, yeah it, definitely. To our listeners, Look up chicken wild rice soup oh, and God. make it. It is amazing. Yeah. So if you get good. some grouse, use grouse instead. So um, last night made some venison mm. and I took the sirloin roast. I was telling Jake about this today because it was so good, dude. So we took the sirloin roast off the hind leg and this was off of my Montana deer. And if you haven't, if you don't know what a sous vide is, you got to f- get yourself one of these things, man. I've been using it for the last, like... Everyone knows what a sous vide is. I don't think everybody I, does. I don't know what a sous vide is. <laughs> a sous vide? Sous vide? Sous vide? Sous vide? Anyways, so um, if you don't know, you use a water temperature, like circulating hot water, um, and that's what cooks the food. So they use them in big restaurants and stuff like that. So you, I, I took the roast out. I had it thawed out. I took it out of the uh, wrapping. Pat dried it all seasoned it up salt pepper little uh like garlic and herb seasoning and then put it into a vacuum seal bag and with some pats of butter Mm -hmm. i probably put like two or three tablespoons of butter in there Mm -hmm. and uh, excuse me oh do you cook it in the bag yeah yeah oh yeah okay yeah i didn't know that i guess i just didn't know the name oh what'd you call it yeah so then i set the water temp to like jake's shaking his head (laughs) you idiot i set the water temp to like 125 degrees Mm -hmm. put the bag in there and just let it go for like three hours. Hmm. We were just, we were busy doing stuff around the house. Oh, so like I just, super, it's, yeah, it's like putting it in a crock pot. Yeah, right? exactly. It's just slow cooking. You, yeah. And then you reverse sear. Well, the nice oh, thing, dude, yeah. Reverse searing. Let's talk about that. Here yeah. So the, the nice thing about the sous vide cooker is you can never overcook anything because the, the temperature never will never go above 125 degrees. Sure. Yeah. So internally the hottest that piece of meat can get is 125 degrees. Mm-hmm. So you surely you can overcook it eventually. You can't or just turn it into mush. I think it would, it would just eventually turn into mush. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, but you, you'll never like get a, all right. Before a, we move on to more whitetail, what, what did you want to talk about reversing? Yeah. Right, that's so that's I, the I'm thing. not done with my story. Yeah, you no, know, tell me more. Cause let's, I've been seeing a lot this, of this. Going right, on I heard maybe. the stories all. Yeah. Right. You heard it, but he I heard the story. So, so then you take it out. And then you get a pan hot with some oil in it. Yeah. And then sear it on all sides, right? So then you sear it. Sear it. How long? I just brown it. I just brown it and yeah. then throw it in the oven or what? No, it's already cooked on the inside. So you pull it out of the bag. Oh, God. okay. Yeah. We're still on your We're on deer. the oh, yeah. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. So a sirloin roast. Ah, dude, most yeah. people, most people either grind it up or they'll make jerky out of it. Some people make like a pot roast out of it and stuff. But I'm telling you. It was like, it was like prime rib. Dude, it like, oh te- like gosh. it melted in your mouth. I love prime rib. Oh, it's so good. I'm dude. so hungry. Yeah. Mm. Anyways, reverse sear. Yeah. So I've been seeing a lot of that lately. Oh yeah. That's it's a great, sort of, yeah. It's a great cooking. And you can just do it in the oven, right? You can yeah. just slow like 125 degrees in the oven well, and then pull it out and then just sear it for do a couple it on minutes. A, do it on a smoker. Mm-hmm. So like on the yeah. Traeger, the you the way put the go. Traeger on there, yeah. put it at like 125, smoke it for until the internal temp hits like 120. And then pull it. The outside's not going to look like good, right? It's going to be just brown. Mm-hmm. But then you sear it, and you've got like, oh man, it's perfect. Mm, it's perfect. I love that, dude. Sous vide. I'm telling you, 
like chicken breast, pork chops, like any wild game meat. Like you just, it comes out fantastic. Hmm. I think that's where game meat gets a lot of like. So how do you, how do you guys like your meat do preparation? You like like your medium rare, rare. Yeah, I like my medium rare. Yeah. See, yeah. I always thought I liked medium rare, and then everyone's like, "No, that's that's rare." Because if medium rare to me, I'm like, that's overcooked. And they're like, mm. no, well, then you like rare. Mm. But I don't know. I feel like, because if my, if my meat hits like 128 and I'm like, that, or like, that's almost too much. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm the same way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like it. Like that red. Yeah. But I don't think yeah. I've ever got a steak from a restaurant that I was like happy with. Like they oh, yeah, got it to no, me and I'm like, do. I wanted medium rare. I feel like it's all the same. Medium. They yeah. ask you what, how you like it, but I feel like it's always think, the same. <laughs> it's always. I think if you went to like a really, I bet you if you went to Wolf Lodge, yeah. you'd probably get a real good yeah. piece of meat I there. I always say medium rare to rare. <laughs> yeah. And it always comes out medium. I've had that backfire <laughs> on me though, because I always used to get medium rare and then I'd go in there and be like, yeah, medium rare. And then it'd come out and it's like medium. Mm. And so I'm like, all right, I'm going to play the game. Yeah. So I'll go, I'm like, okay, uh, no, I'd like it rare. And they're like, okay. And then it's like warm pink center. I'm like, yeah. And then it comes out and it's blue, you know, oh, it's blue like rare. Yeah. blue rare. And I'm like, Oh, that's a little, that's, that's a little much. This is not good. Mm. <laughs> yeah. No. So I actually did the same thing. Um, I didn't actually look at the description of the steak that came with my mail and I should have, cause it was a flank steak, which mm. is extremely thin. And I was like, yeah, give it to me rare. And I don't actually know that it touched a pan. <laughs> like it came out, I was like, "That is yeah, slapped rough. a little salt on it, huh?" Yeah. All right, thanks. So I ate it. I uh, didn't get sick, so I was good to go. But Dude, I've been seeing those guy that this one guy on YouTube. I've sent you guys the videos, but he just salts salts his meat and lets it hang for months and months and months. Dry aging. Dry mm-hmm. aging. That is so cool. Well, uh, I don't know if that's is like, that what it is. Is he like strips of meat? Like, is he doing like biltong? I don't know. It's like for like it, like a charcuterie board looking. It turns yeah, into oh, so it's like it's, so he's making it's jerky, dr- like dry aged. Is that what it is? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you can't mm-hmm. you can't recook that. No, but mm-hmm. there's guys that like there's and I and I want really want to do it with it's a deer's curing. like hind, is that what they cured? Cord. That's probably what they did yeah. in the old days. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's how they were able to keep meat for a long time. So uh, just cool. like uh, what, prosciutto. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, that's just cured leg of. Sure, pig. that's what it ended up looking like. Yeah, and yeah. then you just shave little thin pieces yeah. off it. Yeah, it's super cool. Yeah, I watched yeah, uh, a guy who mm. dry aged a uh, back leg of a deer, mm. and he dry aged it for like ninety days, and it looked really good. He said it was super good, but the issue was like it dry aged for so long he had to cut off like a oh, two a or three inch rind yeah. all oh. the way around this thing so he just had like the center that was even edible i mm. feel like it's it's more practical to do with like beef where you have a lot to work with yeah but like i, I don't know and even then like a 30 day dry age at yeah. home i think restaurants do it right i think there's a way yeah. to do it where it's like the way i've seen them do it historically I, is like they cover it with a thick layer of butter and then they, oh yeah i've they seen that. age it that way and so I don't think they actually lose that, no, that big rind. I watched that and then they they just like cut a chunk of the the ribeye out and then yeah. they just use that sure butter on the outside and they like cooked an it in, that in this butter. and they're like, these guys are idiots. Yeah, so if you are, please tell us how to do it because we all want to try it. <laughs> yeah. And we just literally are too lazy to look it up. I think. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah probably. That's yeah. probably it. Yeah. I, I'd, I'd be curious to see it. Like, well, because like there's the tail. Um, 
saying like letting your deer hang mm-hmm. like what the difference is and i think they've done some podcasts on the meat eater where they talk about what actually happens and and like by letting it hang for a certain amount sure. of time but i remember one guy um some doctor was on there and he said as long as you'll have a good quality meat that mm-hmm. is tender as long as the deer gets into rigor and you and you process it after it hits rigor if you do it oh. if you if you cut like if you debone everything before rigor mm-hmm. uh it, it, it like it it doesn't oh god what a hit i'm trying to think it it's how the rigor process happens rigor mortis is what biology I'm and how it like stretches and contracts the meat science works and then it relaxes if you take it off the bone before rigor Mm. it doesn't it it won't you you might not get a tender piece of meat no so that's interesting because um i it's actually been a long time since i've had the ability to let a deer hang Um, whether that was uh housing restrictions Mm -hmm. i just didn't have shop or whether it wasn't um cold enough um, I mean, last year I killed my deer August 30th. That mm, was a little cool. warm. Spicy. Mm. Anyhow, so the deer I killed last week, I actually let it hang for four days for the first time in forever. Mm-hmm. And what I noticed was I lost a lot of that um, probably globulin. Globulin, is that what it's called? Mm. Um, it's like, it's. it was almost like water weight, right? Like it's it's oh. not really blood, but it's in the meat oh so um and they were it was really windy so it was constantly blowing against this meat and so um i fried up some of this burger and instead of just being like a soupy mess it was actually like a good good burger good burger held up yeah nice you yeah so we deboned my mule deer and jake helped me with that I need a better knife, by the way, like a way better knife. <laughs> but uh, thanks I, to Mike Edgehouse for the rest of that for you. Right? Yeah, yeah, we yeah. did. But I had mine sitting deboned in the fridge for nine days. See, and I think and that's where you can kind of get some of that back. Um, like that guy was saying, he said, uh, "Gosh, I wish I could figure out what his name was, but you can look it up." Um, he said, "Having it on the bone." helps oh really like as long like if you're gonna debone or if you're gonna like quarter up an animal yeah at least if you keep it on the bone as long as you can oh you know what speaking of bone i have always okay i apologize (laughs) i've always wanted to take i'm a child you are a child (laughs) it's a child (laughs) i've always wanted to take a leg bone of (laughs) deer elk of your choice and because uh, I, you know, Stephen Ella did it, and and uh, either put it on a fire or put it on the Traeger. Oh, like whole roast a leg of deer, just just the bone. Oh, oh, oh yeah. I yeah, want to yeah. crack the bone and try the marrow. The marrow. The marrow. Oh, dude, yeah. so good yeah. for you, man. I've yeah. never tried it. I've always wanted to try. Yeah, it. yeah. You know, can you? How do you get ta- or? And then you can use the towel for cooking, right? The off a uh, deer. I would, I would not recommend that. Don't never. That was stupid. I would that never stuff is. Uh, that's why, like, when you when you process and clean your deer, mm-hmm. it's you can leave silver skin on. That they, that's fine. Yeah. It actually, like, I leave a lot of silver skin on, like my back straps and stuff, when I freeze it because it adds an extra layer of protection to the meat. Mm. Um, and then when I thaw it out, I just because I never cut. I used to cut all my stuff up into individual steaks mm-hmm. um, and then package it that way. Now all I do is I cut like if I'm taking the back straps, I'll cut a a chunk like this big. And if you're watching this like that, like big. a foot, yeah, 
Yeah. And, uh, looks or like less. 18 inches. Yeah. 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 That's about 25 inches right, yeah, there. right there. Um, sure. no, I don't know. It'd probably be like a six inch piece Sweet. or something like a, a decent enough meal for like me and the family when I, when I take it out and I cook it as a whole piece of meat mm. instead of cooking individual steaks. Sure. Because then you're more likely to overcook it. Right. Oh yeah, for sure. So I keep whole, whole pieces of meat. Why is the tallow bad on a deer? Oh, that's what I was getting at. So thank you. Um, if you leave any of that fat on the meat, when you freeze it, it can go rancid in the freezer. Oh really? Yeah. The, the fat on a deer is not like, like, no, like not cows, like beef not fat. Like no, beef no, fat, no, no. It, it'll, it'll get rancid real quick. Okay. And I don't know if that's where they carry toxins or some of their hormones or what it is. Yeah, but if somebody could enlighten us on why yeah, that is, that'd be cool. That is a deer fact for you. That'd be nice to know. Mm-hmm. But Whitetail, and I assume mule deer, mule deer fat is the same way. It is inedible. Mm. I mean, it is bitter. It's gross. Mm-hmm. If you, I years ago I cooked up the uh, ribs off a of whitetail. I haven't done it since <laughs> because you end up cutting off so much to get rid of this the white fat. You know, with nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so inevitably, I just cooked it. Right, I was like, well, I'll just cook it with some of this stuff on here because I don't want to lose all my freaking meat. And, uh, yeah, it tastes like it ate a freaking candle. Mm. Yeah, that, that's just, what Ranella does with the makes candles. Did, no, no, <laughs> no, with the ribs. I'm sorry. Oh, he, uh, when he does his ribs, like he's done a series where he does venison ribs, whole rack of ribs from venison. Okay. He, I want to say either, um, boils them first before he barbecues them or he braises them before. And what that does is release all that fat, that stuff, and then you take them out, and then you season them like does ribs. Does he have a video on that? Yeah, okay, yeah, I'll watch that. Yeah, because I want to do it with elk too. You know, because yeah. elk. I mean, that's that's a substantial amount of meat there, and so. But see, I don't think the elk fat is. I don't know. I guess I, I don't know. I, it must be the same on like it must be, be un, something with ungulates. Yeah, it's got to be. Anyways. I mean, the, what they're eating and everything. But well, John had something to say about candles. Oh yeah, yeah. Jake and I are going to make. Um, candles with from deer deer fat because mm-hmm. hmm. i was talking to michelle i'm like hey if the power ever goes out that's the smell i want in my house you know um, we can probably put some essential oils <laughs> in it or something i don't know but i'm, I'm just trying to think outside I'm like hey, how yeah. can i make my own candles right yeah. oh for sure so i don't know i think it'd be cool oh no hold on do we lose power no i'm getting a phone call oh anywho we lost the video you keep, keep going anywho so jake yes Tell us about your deer hunt. This year's? Yeah. The one that you just, uh, yeah, last week. So super interesting. Um, I've known this deer for a long time. Um, I've had him on camera for over five years. Um, and he just, let's just call it what it is. He's got terrible genetics. He's never, he's never been a big buck. I've always had a bigger deer to hunt. And so he's just, I've never, really giving him a second thought. Um, but it's been fun having him on camera over mm-hmm. the years, right? He's been one of my most consistent deer on camera. And every year is like, oh, cool, he made it through the winter, yeah. right? And um, this year, um, I, I mean, I said it earlier, I've just been having a really hard time finding a, a good mature deer on public mm-hmm. land. And this deer is still around, so I'm like, well... I think it's his year, you know, he's six and a half years old this year yeah. or so I thought at the time. Um, and I really 
went to work really trying to nail him down, figure out where he was at, where his bedding area was. Cause I got him on camera all the time, but I really never did nail down his bedroom. Um, and another guy was sending me a picture of him and I was like, okay, so that's kind of the area that he's coming from where he's going to. And so I put in a new scrape and, and move my trail cameras and move my tree stand. And I was getting him on camera pretty regularly, um, probably four times a week, which is a lot for a mature whitetail. Um, but never really during the daylight. And this, this deer was a creature of the night. I mean, for the last three years, I only saw him in daylight one time, you know? And so I didn't really have a ton of high hopes that I was even going to get a glimpse of him until December. Um, when most of those mature deer start getting, you know, a little less wary, you know, it gets a little easier to get them on scrapes, checking last minute does and getting daylight when the temperatures are, you know, five to 10 degrees outside and there's a foot of snow on the ground. Anyway, uh, it was, it was November 6th. Yeah. November 6th, last Monday. And it was, it was a nasty storm. I mean, it was blowing 25 miles an hour, wind blowing sideways. And I thought, man, I've seen some big deer on their feet in some nasty storms. Like, you better get in your tree stand as much as it sucks. Mm -hmm. And I almost got out of my tree stand probably four times because, <laughs> it, I mean, I was just swaying that far. That yeah. Like, I, the, the idea of even taking a shot was ludicrous. Like, there's no way, right? I'm going... 12 inches side to side back and forth in this windstorm holding on for dear life and uh luck you know has it the the storm kind of blew through and with about 45 minutes left to daylight and so it's it's probably down to an eight ten mile an hour wind and i had brought the rattle and antlers with me because i had actually seen that buck on the scrape the night before and there just happened to be a, a couple of young bucks that were checking it out. And I watched him come in and, and kind of antlered ass on one of the younger bucks. And so I thought, you know what? He might be getting a little fired up, right? Like he might, he, this might be his year that this is his area. There's no other big deer in the area and this is, it's him now. And so I just thought maybe, maybe rattling will work. It's not, it hasn't been a huge tool for me in the past. It's not something I, I actively do a lot. I don't really like to give my position away to deer. Um, but I just kind of threw caution to the wind. I had nothing else to lose at this point this early in the year. And sure enough, yeah, I rattled about uh, probably 4.15. And 15 minutes later, I hadn't seen any deer. Mind you, I'd, I've only seen in this spot. This is the kind of the truth about hunting deer that aren't on ag fields is you don't see a ton of them, right? Um, and so I had probably only seen four deer all season and I had seen zero deer that night and I had 15, 20 minutes left to shoot light and I look up and he's standing there 25 yards away hmm. and I was, and I was so caught off guard. My fricking bow is still on the uh, bow hook. I mean, I'm sitting there just flat footed looking stupid and this buck is just, I mean, that looking around like what in the hell did all that rattling right i mean i could tell he was looking looking for the deer that were making all that noise and luckily there was enough wind that i was able to have a little forgiveness um 
better be lucky than good, right? And able to get my bow off the bow hook and uh, get drawn on this buck and um, just a slam dunk, 20-yard shot, you know. And at first, I didn't even think it was that buck um, because he was. I was so incredulous. Like it, the, the time of the year, uh, the, just his behavior, his patterns, like it was so – unlike him to be daylighting 20 minutes before an illegal shooting light yeah and i was like that can't be him it just can't be and then he turned broadside and this just enormous body i was yeah, like he's huge, that's yeah, yeah that's a big, him that was a big body deer yeah huge. i was like that's him yeah and he uh this squirrel started chittering and he just kind of stopped with his right leg forward just textbook perfect slightly quartering away staring at that squirrel and at 20 yards i just buried that pin on him and let it fly and Done. i i come in from the back of the right long all the way through the long through the top of the heart out the front of the left long and um exited right in front of his left shoulder and i watched him fall over 35 yards away mm. and what uh what setup are you using again I forget you got the oh yeah let's uh, we can yeah. go into our our, let's our, our setups yeah, yeah so the my tree stand I'm hunting in is a XOP tree stand mm-hmm. I think it's the Vanish Evolution yeah I those are the Vanishes so we got um, I'm also using the XOP sticks um, which excuse me if those are too expensive for you and you don't have to go too far in the woods um, or you're on private land. Um, the muddy sticks are actually really nice. Um, they're like a single piece. There's not like any sort of folding anything. Um, I've used those historically, mm-hmm. but I was using the XOP climbing sticks, and um, yeah, obviously I was shooting my levitate. Uh, yeah, uh, cool. What's your arrow setup? This year I am, and I'm actually going to run it next year because uh, I did so well with it this year. I really liked it. I'm running the uh, Victory Vap SS Arrows and the 300 Spine. I've got um, wraps on them with the AE Max Helical, and um, I'm right at 500 grains on that. I think Sweet. I'm hitting. Nice. I think I'm hitting around 15.3% on my FOC on that. So I've got the. I didn't put any extra fancy outserts on it i got the standard 50 grain outserts with 125s up front sweet nice um, and you're running uh qad exodus right yeah so um that was for your was, elk too right yeah, yeah, the yeah same, i shot same my arrow elk with the qad exodus same elk and both same them, arrow setup same right? arrow oh, set up for my elk both of them passed through nice so i mean then my elk i shot him at 30 yards and the arrow had enough velocity it continued through and stuck into a tree on the other side of him mm-hmm. you know so hell yeah and i'm not shooting that fast that's the thing you're yeah, like shooting like 270 275. yeah that so i had a limb issue with my levitate and initially i was only shooting like 272 um and they just ended up having the wrong limb numbers with the with each other and we got it figured out with psc and it's shooting like 280 something now but at, at 70 pounds and then what's your draw length um Traditionally, I'm 28 and a half. I've got that bow at 29, um, just because with PSEs with their uh, let off, oh, yeah. got it at 80 percent, and you kind of you lose about a quarter inch mm-hmm. on that. So, at, it's a little bit more comfortable for me at like 28.75. Cool. Um, so yeah, 29 with uh, 500 grain arrows. I mean, I'm only doing 
270 feet per second out of that that's the 500 grain though. arrow I mean, well, yeah, anything above wow. 260 is still a great i mean it, yeah. it was fast enough to shoot through an elk yeah and oh, oh yeah the, i mean so i got the new limbs on that levitate mm-hmm. and um i gained an extra 12 feet per second with the right limb wow. orientation mm-hmm. so i was in the 280s and i was digging that arrow out of the dirt after it passed through that buck okay I mean, it, it passed through him so fast i mean you know, I, I didn't hit a shoulder or anything like that, but it went straight through a rib on the way in, and um, I I have to suspect that it would punch through a deer shoulder. Mm-hmm. I think an elk oh, shoulder yeah. blade is obviously a little bit different. But I think you still still would with that setup with those Exodus. And, I think I would. And that those heavy arrow. Exodus flies so well with yeah. their profile. Um, you know, and I I really, really wanted to shoot those new Montec M3s. I think they look so nice, um, but with my the way my bow was shooting, I just couldn't get them to fly good for me. Yeah, and I haven't tried them again since I got the new limbs. But um, those solid broadheads, they just they look super super nice, and they look like they'd punch through shoulder. But those QED Exodus, mm. I mean, you just can't argue for their flight. Yeah, I like I was, the way the blade the, the the short profile on them. Yeah, yeah, it really helps. I was practicing out to eighty yards with those. Just to see if I could, right? It's yeah. not like I'd shoot an animal that far, but just to see if they would tr- fly true at that distance. And they did. You know, that was the crazy part is they they nearly shoot like a mechanical, just the way they're, mm-hmm. they're, the entire thing is built. Um, and I've had people like, well, you know, isn't that, aren't you worried about them bending blades because they're thin blades, blah, blah, blah. Never had an issue. Mm. I mean. Well, the on the Exodus? Yeah, that's a. Those are thick blades. They're oh my gosh, I can't even think. I'm trying to remember the specs on the blade thickness on those. They're thick pieces of metal on those blades. Yeah, I've never had an issue. No, um, I haven't either. I know they're a little bit thinner than some of the other profiles that you look at, right? Like if you look at a st- standard Montec G5, like those are thick blades. Um, yeah. And these are the 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 Exodus. Those are those are true razor blades. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, those are sharp. And those are great great broadheads. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I really like them. So yeah, that's. I mean, that's my you know my equipment as far as my setup goes. Um, I mean, we can really go into that in detail. I'm obviously I'm hunting over community scrapes that I built myself, so it's a mock community scrape, right? And so um, that's one of those things that uh, you know we get a lot of people who want to do, and I think it's really cool. Um, one of the things that me and Austin talked about earlier is the the unfortunate part of it is is that it's not as easy as just going out and scrubbing some dirt off the ground and throwing in some piss in the dirt and throwing up a camera right mm-hmm. you, you have to you have to be in the right place you have to be where they want to travel through you, you know you can't you're not going to pull a buck that doesn't want a daylight 100 yards into an open area to go hit your scrape you know he might hit it at night but yeah well um, that or one not spot, at all that one spot was i mean we pulled the cameras out of there today because it was just yeah nothing we went in there put a scrape and beautiful spot yep. and there's just lots and lots of moose in there and a lot of yeah. predators so but you know and i've had spots that i uh, i built a scrape and i had all sorts of bucks and does on it i was all excited and it was all nocturnal and I just said, like, what am I doing wrong? What am I doing wrong? Well, I I had just hit the their travel corridor wrong. They just didn't like coming down that far sure. uh, in the daylight. And I moved it 
my scrape 75 yards up the hill and all of a sudden i'm seeing bucks and does daylighting all the time on it. right so, in it cool um my new scrape that i just built um last week i built it during a wind rainstorm as well um just i i try to do a lot of my stuff in the nasty weather when everyone else wants to be inside and the deer want to hunker down i want to get away with everything right and so if i can have the rain kind of wash away my scent um i will but i've been hunting that spot and it's been super fun because i've had a lot of new bucks coming in while i'm sitting in the stand and they'll yeah they have no idea it's there till they know it's there right and so they'll start coming in and i'll watch them start walking below me and right before they get into my my uh, scent cone they'll catch that scent profile that scrape and just j-hook straight into it and uh you know it hasn't been anything big um but it's been a lot of fun like watching it real time sure them finding this and like coming into it and seeing it for the first time like holy cow how did i miss this right and um i had a just a spike buck come in the other night and he hit that licking branch like it was crack cocaine like he just (laughs) it's like i just it's like he's something he needed in his life he was feeling his oats and uh Mm -hmm. he must have hit that licking branch for five minutes just rubbing all over it and chewing on it and licking on it and um anyway yeah just i mean i guess for the listeners that's traditionally you know how i'm hunting my whitetails I will never sit a stand without having a scrape. Um, yeah, that's just that's it, to me that you're just doing a disservice into the wind. That's yeah. what I've done. I wish I would have like never used, I've never used mock scrapes. Yeah, I, I wish I, I would know. I wish I would have done more. I did some of that back home. Yeah, um, but I never like I got discouraged because I wasn't hitting it right. You yeah. know what I mean? Like yeah. I put them up. Mm-hmm. I, I put them up early enough. And I got one picture of this giant out in Douglas. Um, man, he was a freaking. I mean, all of big old swamp buck. No, he no. was over by a brule brule buck. Oh, and uh, I mean, I don't know that deer probably would. I'm bad at guessing, but like 150. I mean, good deer. He, he was a good deer. And I had my licking branch. I actually had like a vine set up. I did the vine. Oh yeah, yeah. And uh, did this mock scrape underneath. And I put my camera up on it, did the video thing. Um, I followed the script for like a whitetail habitat solution, how sure. he does it. And uh, <laughs> I got one video of that deer and he walked by and he looked at the camera and he just kept walking. And then I Deuces. never saw him again, dude. That'll happen. You yeah. Know, a camera, deer can get camera shy. Um, any, I mean, it'd be no different than if you walked into your kitchen and there was a new camera in there. You'd be like, ah, what the hell is that? Right. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously, we would respond a little bit differently, but or if somebody peed on my floor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean, that's the thing, right? You're in their domain. You're in their house. So mm-hmm. if you're putting things in their line of sight um, that they don't mm-hmm. like, right. especially mature deer that is is constantly getting pressure, mm-hmm. he's he's gonna yeah, probably I mean, change his behavioral patterns. Well, what but, about what do you, what do you think about blinds? People hunting from blinds should those be out like a month before season starts? Because I mean that's a big object, right? A deer's going to see that and be like, oh. I oh. have never hunted out of a blind. Yeah. Um. In my opinion, I would I would say yes. Yeah. You know, as a whitetail hunter, mm-hmm. I would say, you know, the longer that thing can be there, the more time it can lose whatever odor was on it from the factory. Mm-hmm. 
everything before you'd set it up in the field i'd let that thing sit in your backyard for a week straight first of all yeah um just letting the ozone clean it right um and then do your best to brush it in right don't just go throw it up yeah and for sure let it sit there like a f- I would square wear, in the woods i would wear all black when mm-hmm. i hunt for my blind oh yeah yeah, yeah. smart yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, smart. Lot, that's super common and then um, i'd leave it out there when the snow would come in and destroy it yeah that was my always my fault <laughs> is I'd, I'd leave it out too long with the anticipation that i'd go back out and I'll then go get it one day and then and then all of a sudden we'd get like a freaking foot of snow and i'm like okay well i'm not going to get that now because i'm not walking through a foot of snow i know or two yeah. at that point usually it's like two feet of snow yeah. that you're trying to trudge through to get back mm-hmm. and you're like okay well, i'll go f- I'll find it in the spring right and you go out in the spring and it's right. like hey, it's that gone. one another one bites the dust yeah that, that was the same experience i had i tried to put my wife in a ground blind because she doesn't like climbing into a tree mm-hmm. and it just was collapsing on her like yeah this no so it not only was it collapsing but she would like re put it up as she's sitting in it and then the snow was melting and it would be like crashing out of the trees on top of it and then crushing on top of her dude yeah yeah so it's a disaster you just made me think of something another story i don't know why this came to me but i was sitting in my deer stand again kenosha wildlife management Mm -hmm. area it's super close drive for me you know being high school not having a lot of money for gas i go up there and i was sitting over this clear cut and i was watching these does and uh, there's a button buck out there and there was a hawk to this tree to the right of me this hawk was looking out into the field, and at, at one point, that hawk swooped out of the tree and attacked the button buck. It was the coolest thing I've ever seen. That's wild. Yeah, it was the coolest thing I've ever seen. Like, I don't know if the, the hawk the Mongolians little, use eagles to hunt deer. That's freaking I could insane. see that, but this yeah. hawk, is it's just a tiny little thing, so yeah. I don't know if it was, it was like kind of like blind, like had poor eyesight, like thought it was really tiny. dinner out there. It looks like, like, oh, shit. You got real close to it. It was like, oh, my God. perception, right? Yeah. Maybe it was an old I think Wilson was telling us that, uh, like, geese don't have good depth perception Mm. because they'll go out there and they'll sit in, like, eight, nine-foot tall uh, goose decoys and hunt oh yeah them. yeah that's and right the goose will the geese will fly overhead and they'll just fly down yeah, that's a really normal goose till i get down there i remember i it, it came back to me my dead end earlier <laughs> um, okay tbi no more i know so jake was talking about how um like he drives like three hours to go whitetail hunt yeah right? that's crazy and i'm thinking of like back when when i was back in the midwest right mm-hmm. like I don't know that I would have been like, yeah, I'm going to go drive three hours to go hunt whitetails because like I didn't have to. Right. You know what I mean? But for, for you out here, it's like, well, if you want to go find some, that's, yeah, that's the thing. I, I, I had could to drive, drive like 10 minutes, but I'm right. going to be shooting the same button buck. Everyone else is do right. You camp and for up us, there? when you drive your three and a half hours, you camp uh, for a few I, days. Last year I st- I stayed with a friend oh, that's who, right. who yeah. lived like 15, 20 miles yeah. from my hunting spot. I ain't driving home that same day, dude, man. Yeah, no, dude. that is the problem, and I have done that, right? Yeah, and that makes a for day. a really long yeah, day. Yeah, bobbing, you know, bobbing at the I wheel. I mean, you drive home. for what? three what? hours, and you hunt for two hours, and then yeah. you drive for three yeah. hours. Like, it gets really miserable. Well, and I was like, thinking of, like, if, if we were to drive three hours south from where we were, I mean, we'd be down in, well. We'd up, be down by Riggins. No, um, um, from Superior. Oh, Spirit, we'd be down by Trempolo. Trempolo County, yeah, yeah would be right in Eau Claire, mm-hmm. yeah. which I mean, there's that's monster world record bucks. Huge man. Deer Sounds down like there. you should have drove three hours. I yeah. think we should have, but isn't a lot of private land down there? Yeah, though? there's Tons. like no public land yeah. down there. But anyways, that that's kind of what I'm thinking. I'm like, or like to go hunt 
Rochester, you mm-hmm. know. Right. But I just wasn't that just, big into whitetail. And we didn't have that, to. Right? We didn't have to we go did. that far. No, we didn't. You know, because there no. there was decent deer around us. Yeah. But in the city bucks, you can hunt the city bucks. But there's just there's so not you were, a lot of. You bu- were never truly a trophy hunter, then. No, the city bucks. Not very committed. I was city bucks. Well, man. They, yeah, and I never had a lot of money to. Yeah, right. I, I didn't yeah. want to put that in the gas. I'm like, yeah, that's all right. Well, right, because it was like, okay, I could drive thirty minutes and have. I could hunt more frequently, right. closer Correct. than 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 do that. Right. But like, I don't know. I mean, there's some giants down, but that's the thing is, there's not as much public land there, right? You know what I mean? There's like, not, and all that public land down mm-hmm. in the metro area gets absolutely hammered. Yeah, for sure. Dude, goose hunting, real quick. Um, I have a funny story. My buddy Mike and I, when we were in high school, uh, we'd go down to his family's farm down Bertha, Minnesota, and uh, we went goose hunting and. We had, we didn't have any decoys, but we went to Fleet Farm and we had money, so we got, we got one two D target. No, we got two two D targets, and then we bought one three D target because we didn't have a lot of money. We we're in high school, like this is all we could afford. Targets or decoys? Sorry, decoys. Oh, yeah, sorry, I was like, brain fart there. We got two <laughs> decoy, two uh, D decoys, and one three D decoy. So we had three decoys. Yeah, and one was two dimension, two or two dimensional. And uh, we put them out in this field. <laughs> Did you just lay them down flat, bro? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, dude. These things, these geese were coming. Great hunting down there. Great, great geese hunting. But they never came anywhere near us. Yeah, no kidding. But no. they land. But they landed out there, way out in the field, like four hundred meters way out there, right? And we're like, dude, let's go. So we low crawled, bro. We grabbed our shotguns. We just started <laughs> low crawling through the farm field. And we just kept going and going and going. It was awesome. I was like, and I was preparing like, cause I was getting ready for the army. And I'm like, dude, I'm get, this is awesome. Oh, dude, you're there, in dude. your head. Yeah. Like, it was in my head, dude. I'm like, I'm, I'm going to get this shit I'm done. I'm an army man. Yeah. And then I just, I just see that those geese, you know, they have such good eyes, man. Oh yeah. And their yeah, heads are like, they're really stretching their necks too. They look, look like giraffes at this point. <laughs> and, uh, they took off, but I'm like, we, we get halfway there. We're just low crawling. Then the geese fly away. Dude, it's amazing <laughs> what you'll do in high school to kill an animal. <laughs> oh dude, yeah. Like, oh yeah. I, one time <laughs> I literally hiked six miles down this canyon because there was a turkey goblin down there. And I was like, I'm going to go kill him. That, <laughs> front, that frontal cortex is not developed yet. No, <laughs> not at all. Like, if you told me I had to walk a mile to a goblin turkey now, I'd be like, yeah, it's okay. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I'm good. That is so, that's so funny, man. Oh, man. We really do stupid shit at that age. So, John, what, what, uh, what was your setup this year? Oh, my setup. I was rocking the Prime Red X6 because that's like one of the few bows that actually fit me. Mm-hmm. Um, great bow. Phenomenal. Love it. And um, I was rocking the VAP TKOs. I think I was at four. We were at 501, and we decided to bring it down, um, the, the arrow weights so were at 488. I think I was rocking 14 FOC. Had the wraps on the back with the tack veins, hard left helical. And then I was rocking the uh, Rip, uh, Grim Reaper Pro Series three blade. Heck yeah, that was my that was my setup. And uh, had the Spot Hog triple stack up front, and the Hamski Epsilon. Uh, didn't use it this year. I went out with it. Yeah, uh, but never got the chance to draw back on anything. So that's the way she goes. Yeah, it is. So that's, that's just, my setup. It's a lot of work to not even get to draw your bow back. Yeah, yeah isn't that like sad when you look at yeah. elk hunting and you're like all the to not even be able to draw it on an on a critter after yeah. all that work you just I mean man how many arrows do you think you shot this year oh god i mean dude how many especially at uh atlas at the at the three thousand arrows oh god no way no way i didn't shoot three thousand that's a lot of arrows i gotta say i'm pro- three thousand i mean it adds up quick man you shoot a hundred arrows a day 
Yeah, I suppose. I don't know. We were shoot. I mean, okay. Are we talking through our bows or customer bows? Because customers if it's bows customers all, day, all day, all day, three thousand for sure. Oh yeah. My but own though, total I'd between ours and close, customers, I'd probably be right around a thousand. Yeah, it's. I'd, I'd say imagine probably close to that. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, I guess I. I was shooting a lot more in my days off at home. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you got the perfect spot to shoot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did you ever find Austin's arrow? Or no, whose arrow did we lose? No, I lost one out there. Those ears? Yeah. We've all lost arrows out yeah. there. Yeah. 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 So after I had uh, my son, uh, I came home from the hospital and I was like super sleep deprived. And um, I I just like couldn't even think straight. I wanted to shoot my bow though. I was like, I'm going to shoot my bow. And I was shooting at 40 yards and I I did I don't even know what I was aiming with. Mm. I, <laughs> I couldn't tell you what pin I was aiming with, but like I sailed my arrow so far over the target and it was like everything felt perfect i was like huh <laughs> dude <laughs> i think i'll go home now. there goes a 40 that's arrow. you funny it's funny you mention that so and i'll be very vulnerable vulnerable here i'm no by no means an expert in archery and a good shot i would say i'm the world's okayest archer <laughs> um in fact and uh no austin and i were shooting the 3d target um, i was right before a meal deer right hunt. before a yeah. meal deer hunt and Dude, I was just already kind of in my head that day, having a bad day, and I'm like, oh, let's shoot this bow. Let's go put it at 40, and uh, no reason can't hit 40. We hit 40 all day, right? But for some reason, I was in my head, and first shot, first few shots were decent, right? I'm like, oh, we got to tighten these up, tighten them up. Well, then, dude, I sent one over the top, and I'm like, oh, shit. Well, th- yeah, there goes a $40 arrow, right? And now I'm pissed. I'm like, there's no reason I should. And me, I'm like, you all know that I'm like my own worst enemy. Like, mm-hmm. I hate when I mess up, dude. Like I set very high expectations for myself. And when I, I don't meet those expectations, I get very angry, very angry. <laughs> and and so, yeah, and then I, I took another shot and uh, it went underneath. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Like, Austin's like, put the bow down. I was like, dude, just step away. Step just away from it. You know, being his dad, you know, he's dude. being my older brother. And he's like, dude, put the bow down. Go take a break, right? Come back to it. I'm like, no, fuck that. You know, <laughs> my ego's just getting Don't out. Don't tell me what to do. I'm going to fix this. I'm going to do it. Dude, I went out there and I shot another like three or four. And it went over the top and I lost jack those arrows up dude i was so in my head and i'm like six arrows. at that point i was like you know what i was at that point i'm like no i want to lose these arrows because i'm so angry (laughs) and i can't get anything i've got to that point where you're just like i I don't care i don't care what it's gonna exactly that's exactly how it turned into i I just watched john just destroy himself yeah 40 (laughs) yards i'm like there's no reason this should be happening whatsoever like i completely relate to that though to like setting yourself to such high expectations oh, yeah. and then when you don't meet that yeah my wife tries to talk me off the ledge all the time and she's like you can't be perfect and i'm like yeah but i need to be right? yeah like, yeah like i need to be I, i'm not just this average guy i have to be above average at yeah. everything i right. do because i set myself up almost for failure because i set such high expectations mm-hmm. for myself which is why i'm like i'm not sitting here in this rainstorm i'm going out there and i'm prepping my stands i'm making sure everything's ready to go for yeah. when the weather is good right i did that with a uh i did that with a whole box of 300 prc ammunition yeah i freaking was at the range and i just like could not get this thing to group yeah. and part of me was like okay oh no this actually it was i uh i was uh overconfident and thinking that i could go to 100 y- actually i could go to 50 yards and sight this thing in without bore sighting it first mm. should have started at 25 but anyways um so i go to 50 
and I'm like, I hit paper. I'm like, oh, cool. So I move out to a hundred and I can't find paper. I don't know where I'm impacting. I don't know what's going on. And I just kept shooting rounds. I'm like, I was so stubborn. Five dollars. Five dollars. I was so stubborn. I was like, I'm going to hit, I'm going to figure this out. No, I'm not going to stop right now. I'm not going to do the logical thing and get off the hundred yard line and go Mm -hmm. to the 25 yard line. No, I was just like, I'm going to do. And then I shot and like, I had four rounds left. I'm like, whatever, I'm just going to shoot these. Yeah. (laughs) So I don't care. And I think another reason too, like, getting in my head that day too because we were we were i think the next two days later we were heading for that mule deer hunt right mm-hmm. and i'm like the fact that i'm struggling this bad right now yeah but uh no we dialed it in and and what i was doing as we i was just killing them with rifles anyway yeah so. exactly so we'll just go back <laughs> to my old roots and just use the rifle right yeah. I'm, I'm pretty confident in that dude but no, you're punching my uh, i'm okay I, I i well i i don't know if you knew this but i was the uh i got uh, sniper position on the SWAT team, oh. and uh, I was so jacked because I'm like, oh, I get to go to sniper school, and I'm at, get to have, have this badass 308 AR-10, and uh, it was fun. And I go out and shoot Brad uh, with uh, Brian, the oh, 338, yeah. Yeah. and all that. But then I didn't tell him. No, I was like, oh shit! Like I got this position. I was gonna go to sniper school in like a month and a half. I'm like, but I'm like getting out of law enforcement in about a month and moving to Idaho. So <laughs> no. No, I know. Okay, so that's funny. But I got the designated marksman uh, position in. Oh no, <laughs> the military. Yeah. Oh, dude, what yeah. position? So when we were supposed to go overseas, right? I was supposed to have a sniper rifle, mm-hmm. and I don't know if it's an M14 or what. It was what, the M14? Yeah, I think mm-hmm. it was. Well, our uh, armor forgot the M14s back in America. Mm. No, not a yeah. good place so for them to be. Instead of having this super precision rifle they handed me a saw oh there you go hell yeah was it the mark 48 too the 7.62 saw no, accuracy no, no. through volume 249 oh. yeah it was a 249 which was a it was a fun gun right but it wasn't what i wanted no um no and it, it weighed a ton and i had to carry an insane amount of ammunition and ammunition, <laughs> ammunition. ammunition. which is actually so die myself out here this is a long time ago i got so tired of carrying all that ammunition because uh, it was like three or four thousand rounds right yeah. and it weighed a ton yeah isn't it. is it combat load three thousand for yeah, the? i think so i think it was yeah. three thousand rounds yeah and um dude i was just so tired mm-hmm. and we were supposed to only go out for like two or three hours like it was going to be this this like short little jaunt like no big deal and i was like dude i don't need to take all this ammunition like this is ridiculous and uh, oh, I feel like I know oh this my is God. It's just like yeah. Blackhawk down. Oh, don't yeah, take your water. Don't take your body armor. <laughs> don't put that no, plate no. in the back. <laughs> yeah. Oh, dude. So I only had maybe 1,200 rounds. Mm. And that goes quick. Yeah. We we're like a click from the fob. And we got into a pretty good firefight. <laughs> like a pretty good firefight. And I torched through that ammunition so fast. I had like. 40 rounds left mm. by the time it was done and we still had like another three hours of patrolling to go and i was <laughs> shitting bricks dude like my squad leader never asked my team leader never asked they just assumed i had you a know full all, combat load. A full combat yeah. Load. yeah you've been in country this guy knows he's doing yeah right <laughs> this guy's squared away mm-hmm. and i was just a shit bag that day dude i felt like i felt so oh, bad oh man i we felt all, we so, all have a man dude i felt so bad because i was just like you, you get into another firefight yeah. 
like you are it like you have the saw yeah like you're laying down lanes of fire and you have no ammunition yeah <laughs> two round burst dude bro. luckily we made it back to the fob never gotten another firefight and I, I never did that again dude yeah that's funny you mentioned well it's not it is funny you mentioned that because we've all made mistakes like that right so in country i was the gunner for some reason right my my body is like three-fourths three-fourths of it sticking out of the turret right <laughs> just stupid why am i the gunner well yeah, we were we were question. coming back from a refit at fall bostick headed back to cop Purtle king and uh i had the 50 cal up there and i put the ammunition i opened up the the tray you call it right yeah. i opened up the tray and i slam it down well i was pretty it was pretty i was pretty tired and it's still not an excuse i should have figured this out when i was on mission holding the gun well it fell the ammunition fell out i didn't realize at the time so i'm up there thinking i'm right locked and loaded ready to go you know no we we go through da, 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 you know make it through get back to cop pearl king <clears throat> went to empty my gun and my gun was empty the whole time <laughs> You're like, oh, fuck, dude. Shit. 50 cal ammunition was not in there. It was just dangling down. Dude, it was not good. And <clears> uh, <throat> I got chewed out on that one. Just because, and they, nobody would ever, never knew. Nobody would ever knew about that. But I dimed, got, dimed yourself I out. I dimed myself mm -hmm. out. Yeah. And, uh, well, that's integrity. It is. Yeah. yeah. Right. But we've all made mistakes. Oh, I did not dime myself out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to tell you right now, this is the first time anyone's hearing this. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I did not tell anybody that I did not bring a combat load out there. They would have smoked my ass till I died. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, no, thank you. Never uh, get see this, right? Sometimes you have to learn from your own mistakes. Oh, I yeah, think right. I've said before, a smart man learns from other man's mistakes. Mm -hmm. I had to learn from my own that day. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, I think yeah. we're uh, talking about um, what our what we look. Oh God, I'm having such a brain fart right now. Our loadout, our oh, setups, here, our setups, oh, yeah. our loadout. Here, I'm thinking Call of Duty words now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> loadout, so loadout ready one. for gaming. So I did want to go back and touch on some of these whitetail setups um, <laughs> because, like, and Austin's I is seeing it. I think a little bit more going out with me, um, but like such a huge, 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 huge part of this is knowing how to get to your stand without getting blown by the wind mm. and like having the best setup so that the wind is never going to be a factor for you. And so was super interesting about this new spot that I set up last week by all accounts, it should be a terrible spot for the wind. Um, I'm on a West running um, draw uh, ridge and we have tons of southwest winds and all the bedding area is uphill southwest away from me right well it'd be it'd be northeast but if those come from the southwest it'd blow straight into the bedding area and what's really really interesting is the way the ridge line is the the entire valley is curved it banks that wind so my wind is never bad. Mm. It always banks right over the top of me and pulls it straight back down below me. Wow. And, I mean, where I'm sitting on this ridge, my scent's probably not touching the ground for 200 yards. Like, it's Damn. behind my stand is probably 50 feet to the ground, where in front of it, you know, it's only 25. It's really mm. interesting. Um, so it's part of these setups, right, is studying that wind setup. 
studying what that wind is doing. Because just because the prevailing wind is supposed to be doing one thing, does the landscape allow it to do that? Mm-hmm. It's the same with thermals, sure. right? Yeah. Are the thermals affecting that prevailing wind? Are the thermals doing something different because of the steepness of what's you know behind you in the draw? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I specifically set up on this spot because on my right behind me over my shoulder, which would be my south side, it's a straight drop off, um, super thick. And that's where my thermals are going to be just dumping, right? And these deer aren't living there. Too thick, too nasty. It's really, really hard to walk through, blow down, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. So, yeah, so the, my setup this year, super, super interesting. I actually want to show it to you guys because the way the winds work there, it makes no sense. Um, it, it, uh, it, like, even to me, like, sitting there, I'm like, this does not, the, why is this working? Like, it shouldn't work, but it does. And it's, it's just the <laughs> landscape banking that wind. Sure. Is that that's down by your place? Uh, sure. Yeah. Okay. Well, Austin, what's your what's what's your sure what's your Sorry. what's your loadout look like? This my year? loadout. Yeah. Um. So earlier this year, my elk setup, I was shooting the Mach thirty four, um, seventy pounds, uh, thirty inch draw. Uh, I started out shooting the VAP SSs and uh, went from those to the standard VAPs. Cause I wanted to get something a little lighter, a little more FOC. Um, so I went to that four Fletch on the back. You went from with, the SS to the standard VAP? Yeah. yeah. The TKO? No, just the, like standard the standard VAP. VAP. And, oh, then yeah. he, and then he tried the TKO and then the standard rip and then the standard rip TKO. And then he decided <laughs> no. I don't know which one. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, Austin's building all the arrows. Yeah, all of them. <laughs> no, and then, uh, so I shot that. Um, What's, broadhead wise, I was shooting... Uh, my fixed, what was I running? I don't think dead I, meats weren't you? Yeah, no. Well, yeah, for mechanicals, I was running the dead meats. Mm-hmm. And I, I was running some fixed. I think I was going to run the Q80 Exoduses. Mm. Um, or no, I'm um, sorry, the Hades. Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah, the Grim Reaper Hades. Yep. Uh, I was shooting those, and then I just ended up going to shoot mechanicals the rest of the year. And that's going to be another topic for another oh. podcast because we're running, I think, in an hour and a half here. Yeah, we're but, uh, touching our end here. Yeah, but. we need to talk about mechanicals, mechanicals and uh, fix at another podcast. Oh, yeah, that'll be sure. a whole podcast. That'll be a great one. But anyways, uh, so I run um, the G5 Dead Meats, uh, Shrewd Bars. Um, uh, actually, on that, I was running the Epsilon as far as a rest, and then uh, I think that's oh, a spot hog triple stack. Yeah, yeah, we were all running those spot hogs this year. Yeah. Those mm-hmm. sites are awesome. And then Love I have mm-hmm. uh, as I transitioned over to whitetail season, I had my prime, uh, my Rev X four, and that's what I'm shooting now. I ended up selling my Mach thirty four uh, to Reno, mm-hmm. um, and then on that setup, I'm shooting my VAP SSs through my RevX. Oh, nice. Yeah. Oh, I cool. think I can say it now because they're dropping tomorrow. Yeah, oh, we can yeah. talk about oh, it. Yeah. I am shooting the new RVX. Yeah. I don't know what the, if they're going to call it the RevX, but it's the RVX. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Rev- I'm going to shoot that two. RVX4 with yep. that G-Fade camo. Yeah. That bow shoots so nice. Yeah. Nothing against PSE because PSEs make fantastic bows. Mine has killed a lot of things this year. I love that bow. Shoots great. It's quiet, dead in the hands, everything. Mm-hmm. 
but I just I love that prime. It shoots so well for me. Yeah. yeah. I have to shoot that one this year. Yeah, so new on the RVX, they've got a two, a four, and a six, just like they did with the RevX series. Um, upgrades this year, they went to uh, you can you have a Picatinny mount on the front mm-hmm. um, and a dovetail on the back to do a QAD integrated rest. Mm-hmm. Um, what else did they change? A little different adjustable riser. Let-off. Risers, yep. Yeah. Now they have adjustable let off on mm-hmm. the core modules yep. or on the core cam system. Um, it's sweet. And then uh, the midline. What yeah, is it? What is so that? they the, just the dropped Ronin. A, a, oh my the god, Ronin. guys, you guys got to shoot this bow. The yeah, Ronin, the prime the Ronin. Ronin. So it is their midline bow that it has pro series components on it. It has uh, last year's uh, RevX limbs and cams on it, so it shoots just like the RevX did. Yeah, so it's got the core core little bit core different riser. Doesn't come with the free strings for life. Mm-hmm. Uh, it shoots lights out. We all love it. I love it. I mean, we all love the RevX, so it's, I mean, it's got the RevX components. It's hard not to love. And that's coming in at 850. Yeah. I think it's going to be a very, very, very good um, midline bow. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, for Super somebody that doesn't want to get into, uh, you know, a flagship series bow from one of these companies, mm-hmm. um, you know, a lot of them have midline series. And this, I, the, it's the Ronin hard is. hard to compete with. Yeah, it's going to be a good one. Yeah, um, for sure. The riser doesn't have quite as much reflex in it as the. Um, RevX or the RVX series. Um, it's got a little more vibration. Um, but again, it's a midline bow. So you're, you're going to sacrifice some of the features, mm-hmm. uh, in the riser that you would from like a flagship series, mm-hmm. but for a midline having the same cams, the yeah. same, you know, same limbs, you, you're, you're if getting I was a guy awesome. just like, I'm a, I'm a no frills, just a five pin, no slider sight, just a, I want a hunting bow. Mm-hmm. That's the bow yeah. I own. Yeah, for that's sure. Hundred percent. That's the bow I own. Yeah. yeah. And then they uh, they came out with a youth bow, a kids bow. Oh yeah. Yeah. Sweet. Super nice. That will sell real well. Yeah. I think that people love that. Mm-hmm. Well, it yeah. goes to forty pounds. So yeah. while it is a youth bow, it's, it's it is substantial. I mean, it's a good bow. Yeah, you can um, hunt with it. You can hunt. You can probably hunt. I mean, you can't hunt deer with it, but well, forty pounds. Mm-hmm. Do they lower the legal? It's 40, forty. Forty. Forty now. The minimum. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I guess you could then. Um, it's it's a nice. I think that one retails around four hundred. I mean, yeah. it's it's a legitimate bow. It's yeah. it's not uh, a toy. Yeah, um, comes with quiver and yeah. yeah come in and shoot, Come in and try these these primes. Yeah, I'm telling you, it's it's a great bow. Mm-hmm. Um, another release that we can talk about is Elite. Yeah, uh, they've been out for a couple weeks now, and they just dropped three new bows this year: the Ethos, the Kairos, Kairos, Kairo. I can't. Kairo. Some guys, the elite guys, call it Kairos and Cairo. Yeah, I don't know. They don't yeah. know. They don't. Nobody knows. <laughs> so it's the ethos, the Kairos, and the allure. or the Cairo or the and the allure. Mm-hmm. So you've got the ethos, which is a thirty-three inch axle to axle bow, but the way the string angle is on it, it feels like a thirty-five inch axle. Mm-hmm. axle yeah, bow. the way they design those cams, it's so it's, it's like you're um, shooting the forgiveness of a thirty-five at yeah. thirty-three. So they they kind of modeled it after their uh, uh, synergy thirty-five energy uh, energy thirty-five or synergy thirty-five. I'm yeah. probably getting that backwards, but um, because that was a very popular bow. Mm-hmm. Um, it shoots really good. And oh, that, she's great. The new camo, the midnight co- or the new uh, solid, the midnight the, copper, yeah, copper is sweet, super man. Awesome yeah. when you see it in person. Yeah. And it shoots so fast. It does. That's it's a, good, a very fast, a fast bow. bow. Yeah. Um, I believe it's same cams, um, same cam system as last year. Uh, as the but, Omnia? As the Omnia. But on the Ethos, you can get it in, it comes st- standard with the smooth, smooth mods on it. Are um, they continuing the era? 
That I can't, I don't, I think so. I believe yes. they are. Yes, yeah. they are. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We have so, so many late eras in case people yeah, we have two. are wanting a carbon They're bow. sweet bows. Yeah. They look great. Yeah. Um, but the, uh, so, so the ethos, um, it's, it shoots great. It's yeah. dead in the hand. So um, nice. I've been super impressed with it so mm -hmm. far. I think we all have. Mm -hmm. uh, the Cairo or Kairos, that is also 33 inches axle to axle. But however, they came up with that one um, for our our short, short draw guys mm -hmm. and gals. Um, That's it's standard a, shooters. It's yeah, like standard. 29 and a half. Yeah. And yeah. It, but it they they built it in such a way that somebody with um a 28 inch draw is going to get more performance out of that bow correct it's, right. it's optimized right. for for shorter draws for people yeah. with uh, right. so you know, under 29 who are getting right. all their speed because right. they got long arms like john yeah you're you can get that efficiency mm -hmm. yeah. being a 28 inch guy you're not losing all that like you did historically because yeah. i i i don't know the exact number but i think they say that you gain 11 or 12 feet per second for every inch of draw it's something i want to say like the rounded out number is like 10 or something, something 10, to 10 that for effect. the second but per inch. anyway so the idea is that they they designed this bow so that you're not actually losing that speed because of your shorter draw you're you're yeah. you're still got that it's it's efficient for those draw lengths yeah, so that, that one come like 25 yeah. 25 to 29 and a half yep yeah and it's got performance mods on it so, yeah. so if it does like have speed it's yeah. it's the bow for you it's yeah. a little stout on the draw on the mm -hmm. back wall it 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 kind of um dumps into that back wall mm -hmm. a little bit but it, it is still very quiet mm -hmm. and dead in the hand i think it was uh we were all pretty pretty impressed by that one too yeah and then the lures and the lures that also, goes yeah. down to 24 inches i believe or 23 yeah, so they dropped a they dropped the allure and that is their like women's line bow mm -hmm. kind of like what matthews does with the uh, the prima and the but dudes can shoot it too it, yes yeah if you yeah. want to sure yeah. i mean it's got i mean all the different well, accents on it i think um <laughs> i think it's got purple yeah on the i don't know something. if a guy would want to shoot it, it it's it's a it's the same platform they, and efficiency mm -hmm. as the kairos right it's the same idea that mm -hmm. women can get these speeds these shorter draws at yeah. less weight mm -hmm. and so well, they built, built for it, that efficiency right they built it just like i mean a lot of companies are coming out with um women's lines mm -hmm. yeah. in particular to, to to target that market because you know it's it's built more for them right and to yeah. get the most efficiency like we're saying because if that that in being the past, said right yeah in the past women had a hard time not to cut you off Austin, i apologize yeah. but in the past, women had a hard time drawing bows because of the the stiff draw cycles, that that sort of thing. Or you just have to back the limbs out so much, off, right? Because they didn't make them in lower limb. Yeah, limb, yeah. But limb now, like Prime and Athens and PSC, um, and I'm going to exclude Elite from this, and I'll say why in a minute. But their cam systems are so smooth mm -hmm. that a lot of our female shooters are now able to shoot these pro series bows at 60 pounds, 70 pounds oh, yeah. because they're so smooth. The draw cycle is so linear that it doesn't feel like you're drawing 70 mm -hmm. pounds where elite, I'm again, I'm leaving it out because that is a speed bow and it has an aggressive draw cycle aggressive because camera, of yeah. that. Right. And so mm -hmm. if you're a guy who, who really wants to send that 500 grain arrow insane speeds, that's the bow for you, mm -hmm. which We've had some guys who are, you know, they were hunting elk um, down in bigger desert country where they they might have a 70, 80, 90 yard shot where, you know, myself at 272 feet per second, 
that might not be that actually attainable for me. Like mm-hmm. I can get the arrow there, but the kinetic energy at that distance where that elite, or if you're hunting pronghorn, Southern Idaho or Montana or wherever you're hunting them, you're getting those speeds, right? That's what, that's what that speed bow is for. Mm-hmm. So if that's you, if that's what you like, even if that's not you, if, even if you're just like, well, I'm going to send this arrow through an elk shoulder blade <laughs> and I need the speed to do it. That's through bow. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I would just say, um, come in and shoot them all. Cause you just never know what you're, you're going to like. You might, you might not think you like, you would like the, uh, ethos or one of the right. elites with the more, uh, I would say aggressive cam cycle. Yeah. Um, but you might, you mm-hmm. might shoot it and be like, wow, I love yeah. it. I'm actually on the fence of shooting the ethos this mm-hmm. year. Yeah, I, right. I, I really, really liked how that bow shot and yep. how I, how it felt in my yeah, hands. So. I don't know if, if, um, what they changed, but I like it more than the Omnia. Yeah. yeah. I think it draws a lot nicer yeah. and I think it's still getting the same speeds. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, for sure. So I, it was a lot nicer draw cycle for me. Um, I'm excited. I was never a fan of the the Omnia. It was just hard for me to shoot and yeah. be comfortable with. I'm a comfort shooter. Mm-hmm. I like to shoot two, three hours out of whack. Yeah. I like to be able to set my bow mm-hmm. up in one fell swoop. Um, and you can't you can't do that if you can't shoot for right. two hours. Yeah. I think my my uh, 488 grain was shooting uh, at 31 inches on, which fits me. That Ethos fits me oh, at yeah, 31. Fits me I usually shoot 31 and a half, 32. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that fits me great. And I'm shooting 300. Yeah, out I mean, of that's 480 already, almost 500. That's screaming, yeah. dude. Yeah, yeah. screaming. Um, yeah, but but yeah, and then uh, PSE is dropping what? soon, so we can't really talk about what they've come out with, but right. we're excited about that mm-hmm. as well. Um, I'm, they've got some good things coming down the pipe. Mm-hmm. So, can we say whether or not they've changed the cam systems? I don't think we can really say, say anything. anything. Yeah. Okay. We'll better play it safe. Yeah, and then yeah, I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to shoot this year. I I'm impressed by all of them so far, yeah. but I'm just really curious about I'm, that Athens. Yeah, Athens. I'm yeah. super curious about. Yeah, we'll she find said, out about that this week. Yeah, I don't know Thursday. if our listeners know a ton about Athens, but mm-hmm. you guys got to shoot some of these bows because for being a veteran-owned company that hasn't been on the market that long, they are putting out some really high-quality equipment. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think the hard part, you know, is um, direct-to-consumer, mm-hmm. right? So, like, it's hard because you can yeah. just go on and buy one of their bows. But, but – you could come in and shoot them here right. and you know we have we will have all the new ones in stock we've mm-hmm. got a couple of last year's models left for the uh like we got a couple athens of vistas and, and a couple some of vistas lights. yeah yeah so but uh athens you know they've been on the market for probably going on 10 years now i think and they, they just came, got bought out by tracy and her uh, husband within the last couple five yeah four within or five the last years. two years so yeah, they had a lot of catching up to do because mm-hmm. they were just athens was behind on times and oh yeah tracy said she's never been more excited about a release than this year sweet yeah i'm super, super cool. excited mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. They, I, they put I, we a haven't bow, had a man. bow yet from them that we haven't just been impressed yeah, right with. and all the custom you know you can custom build that thing it comes you with want. gas strings <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. Come whatever from, color yeah. you want yep yeah that's Same that the is the nice thing that where you know a lot of these mainstream bow companies you don't get mm-hmm. a custom string color unless you custom order it yourself right. where gas you come to us or sorry athens they come with those gas strings so you come to us and you say look i want this camo pattern and because they'll do and whatever yeah. we ask them to do mm-hmm. they have things on their website like this is their primary colors that they normally do right but they they are allowed to do whatever profile picture we give them and uh yeah there's no charge to that yeah, like to no you extra, as the consumer yeah, so like no if you come charge. in come you in and purple want, pink strings yeah. on your brand new bow you're gonna pay the same gap, i mean you're gonna say the pay, pay the same for that bow as you would grabbing one right off of our shelf right, if you right. ordered one through us yeah custom 
that's the same, yeah. you know. And they're fast enough that, I mean, you're it's in only the, like two, three weeks. Yeah, two, three yeah. weeks you're yeah. in the game. I think the the most extended one we ever had was uh, eighty pound limbs. Yeah, a gentleman wanted eighty mm-hmm. pound limbs, yeah. and they had to custom build those. They didn't have one hand, right? Yeah. Um, and then even then, I think it was like four and a half weeks, and we got the bow mm-hmm. back. But yeah, so yeah, stay we'll, tuned. We'll We've keep got you some guys really updated. cool products coming. Um, kind of please uh, come in and, and shoot some bows. Um, try things out. You know, we we really want to do a video. You know, uh, of why you should consider using a new bow. Why you should consider hunting with a new bow. Um, just the efficiency and and making yourself a a better shooter without having to to give away a lot, right? Mm-hmm. Um, these older bows, I know guys are using 15, 20, 25 year old bows and they still shoot, mm-hmm. right? They still shoot, but their efficiency is not good. Oh yeah. You get so much more out of some of this new yeah. stuff now. Yeah. I mean, like I get not wanting to fix something that ain't broke, but yeah. at, at some like, level, it's, it's like, why not be I'm more driving a 1985 pickup that gets eight and a half miles a gallon and it gets me to mm-hmm. and from, but I could buy a newer truck that gets 22 miles to the gallon mm-hmm. yeah, and gets me there a lot more comfortable. And, you know, it's just, and of these newer bows, I mean, I, we've got guys who aren't that good of shooters and not that we're that great of shooters, but like the prime, especially with that uh, center grip riser, it just shoots, right? Like guys who don't necessarily yeah. shoot that well, shoot that thing incredibly well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, you know, honestly, that's part of the reason I'm going to go to that thing. That thing, I mean, it's a no-nonsense bow that just shoots incredibly well for me, right? Mm-hmm. It fits me well, but that's the the bows are all so efficient anymore. You got to shoot them all, figure out one which fits you the best. Yeah. Um, I, I've i loved my uh, Carbon Levitate. It's shot really well. It's quiet. It's, it's obviously super light. Mm-hmm. Um and PSE was fantastic dealing with the the warranty issue on the limbs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they've been you know, really good on that. Um, obviously, it's you would think it'd be different. Me being a, a dealer, it's not. I, I deal with the same you know warranty things that a customer would, and so um, yeah, they they were able to give me those limbs really quick, and we kind of broke it down what was going on and gave them the numbers, and they realized they it screwed the pooch on that, and so yeah, it's uh, I can't say enough good things honestly about all the companies this year it's mm-hmm. it's been it's hard to pick a favorite right yeah yeah um, it definitely is i i i really love um what prime's doing with their with their camo this that's year. why i ended up shooting two bows this year and realized yeah. that i didn't need to because i loved yeah. my mach 34 mm-hmm. loved it yeah Such a sick bow. and then i shot the prime and i was like man i really like this bow mm-hmm. too like i said yeah. go shoot both of them yeah yeah but, well, 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 we are getting long in the tooth here, guys. Yeah. Um, we want to be conscious of everyone's time because yeah, stay tuned in the future. We'll uh, we'll have as these bows come out, we'll probably have one episode where we really um, dive into the new bows, um, and then in the future we'll talk about. I don't know. We'll probably have our mechanical and br- fixed fixed head debate. Yeah, that'd be a good one. We're going to do some uh, fitness podcasts here with uh, our friend Tristan. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll get him on here, and he's a, he's a personal trainer here in the area, big hunter, um, mm-hmm. and we'll talk about some of that stuff. Um, we'll have, uh, in the future, we're going to have Chris Jones from Response Ready Medical on here. Yep. Um, we'll do kind of like a backcountry medicine course and yep. like talk about the importance of yeah, being prepared in the backcountry. That's oh, yeah. something I left Jake out on my deer story. Like, <laughs> I have skinned and gutted and 
helped skin hundreds and hundreds of deer and elk, not hundreds of elk, probably dozens of elk, but definitely in the over a hundred mark on deer. And I managed to stab myself in the leg <laughs> the other night. Like I know better. Right. Mm-hmm. And it just happened so fast. Happens. So that's, <laughs> it well, no, that's, I think that's, uh, it's important for people to understand it can happen <laughs> in the field. It doesn't matter how long you've been doing it and yeah. maybe having a medical kit's right. not such a bad idea, right. which we do sell. Yeah. yeah. Brandon yeah. and I were cutting each other up the entire time. Oh my God. <laughs> you guys, every time, oh, just to get one, one, one quick story. And when John and I shot our mule deer, I mean, they died 20 yards from each other. So, it was great. It was cool. It was super, super easy. I'm over there. I'm, I'm taking care of my deer and Brandon oh is over God, there. Oh my God, I know where this is going. Brandon is helping John over there with his deer. And I swear to God, every <laughs> freaking five minutes, I'm, I'm like picking my head up because I hear, I hear, oh, oh sh- shit, did I get you? Did I get you? Are you bleeding? Oh, you. And then I'm like, what the hell? And I look back there and he's like, he's like, no, not no. room for two knives on one deer. Oh, dude. And then he's like, no, no, I'm good. I'm good. No, no, it's good. And then they'll keep going. And then, uh, you know, five minutes later, I hear, shit. Oh, and that's the other way around, right? Now John's like, oh, shit, did I get you? Are you okay? Did I cut you? And Brandon's like, no, 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 man, you're good. I think I'm all right. How they made it out of there with. Ten fingers and ten toes is beyond me, dude. Oh, dude. Oh, they were those freaking. I don't know. I thought they were okay. like having fights over there. So like medical kits, field medicine is important. Mm, yeah, yeah, yep, very, yeah. very much important. God, dude, that was so comical. Unless, yeah. You're not us, and you don't have TBI. And oh, all stupid yeah. things. It's so funny. But yeah, we well, got anyways, some good podcasts coming up. Yeah. Well, thanks for listening again, and uh, there'll be more. Keep like tuning this. in. Yeah, we just uh, today was a day we we didn't have any guests, and we just wanted to come on and talk. So yeah. I think our next one we might do. Our law enforcement stories. Yeah. We Best, worst, funniest. Oh, yeah. Tell cop on. stories. People love cop stories. We like, man, sometimes we like telling cop stories. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You got to be in the mood for it. Um, oh, hold on. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm going to keep you on for one more second. The Minnesota goodbye. The Minnesota goodbye. Dude, we, Jake is a shit magnet. You're not, dude. We oh, were on our oh way back God. and we almost watched a dude head on another car. No. I mean, it was like, for the like dude, 20 miles, he was just, he was hammered drunk. He had to have been. He almost hit the delineator probably 40 times. Mm-hmm. Dude, and then and this guy was in the turn lane going to like come and head on at us, and he was going to turn left, and the truck in front of us was like going into the turn, like two, two three feet, and he fucking oh, bit about it. I'm like, oh, and yep. we're going to be first on scene on this one. Yep. Like, we almost welcome. Yep. Man, I, I don't know if I want to drive with Jake. I, I don't want to drive Jake either. <laughs> I, no. I was making it up. No. There's, there's no music on. Just we're, AC, bro. Just AC. Or the heat. And, oh, yeah. Know. Now we don't listen to music in my truck. <laughs> Jake got mad at me when we were coming home from the airport. He's like, turn that down. The music. <laughs> <laughs> music was too loud. All right. All right. All right. Thanks again, guys. And we'll catch you on the next one.